Let's see if this has stayed. Levels is staying. It's not moving. I'm so happy for you. Now be quiet. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, are we starting? Yes. Okay. You to yourself. Nitro is the glory. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast with your host tonight, Keenan White, aka Lefty the Great. And if you are unlucky, the Finnish village idiot, JQ. This is the RC Podcast with no name, but plenty of content. So sit back, relax and get ready for some serious bench racing. Yes, indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And joining me, as usual, is uh, my buddy up there in Finland. I haven't really spoken to him for a while. He's been busy. I've been busy. He's been busy doing RC stuff. I've been busy with with real-life stuff. Uh Mr. Joseph J. Quagran, he will be joining us here in a bit after I run through my my introductions here. Unless he wants to join now, he has muted himself. But that's probably a good thing to get him to mute himself. Um, yeah, we're back this week. We we took last week off and uh, we waited for the Southern Natch race and we decided we'll talk about it this week. So episode 93, episode 93. Also, big shout out to Zach Ryan, a.k.a. Mr. Fancy Pants. He was the guest this week. We got to talk about Australian RC racing in Asia and uh, when he was involved in the magazines in, in Asia, um, in Australia, in RC. So big shout out to him. His blog will be live on the NNRC website soon, too, as well. So check it out, Mr. Fancy Pants. And... Um, yeah, Joseph and I have a lot to talk about. We have some questions to answer. We have some races to analyze because there has been a lot of racing, but mostly we're going to talk about Southern Nets. So I will patch them in in a minute. But before we do that, I want to say thank you to everybody. Shout out to the NNRC squad all around the world. Without you guys, none of this is possible. I appreciate the support, man. You guys make this all possible by liking, sharing, downloading this podcast. And uh, if you're repping some of our swag, from um beach rc some decals or got your own decals made uh and repping the nnrc i appreciate it if you haven't check it out we do have some swag that you can buy appreciate that thank you to all of the patrons on patreon with you guys help keep these bills paid uh going the extra mile i greatly appreciate it you guys get early releases and uh if sometimes i just people People do it to help out, and I greatly appreciate that because a lot of time and work and money does go into these podcasts, and we always trying to we're always trying to improve things. So thank you, greatly appreciate that. Shout out to the awesome companies that support us because without these guys advertising on the podcast, none of this is possible. So shout out to RCMX, Techno RC, Beach RC, Pop Willie's Traction Tonic, JQ Racing. Rob's Oil for all your AMS oil needs, Manscaped, JQ Threads, and Wally Bud. Wally Builds. I always say Wally Buds. I always get that confused. I know Joseph's going to give me 
uh, some crap about that. And big shout out to Connor Ehlers at the Luth Cranes for his support. I greatly appreciate that. Remember, uh, these companies, some of them have promo codes. It's all in the written description of this podcast. You can go check it out. Uh, save yourself some money. There is an affiliate code for BTRC. I greatly appreciate it if you can use that. It helps us out. It shows if we have any influence with uh, BTRC and if people are listening and, and, and checking them out. So uh, we will have the bench racing Q&A from BTRC to, uh, later on in this podcast. So thank you to all those awesome companies. If you're a company, a race, or anybody that thinks this podcast is a great platform to promote your business, please uh, contact us. Uh, you can contact me personally contact us on the no name rc podcast instagram or facebook page also if you can go there and like those it's greatly appreciated and um or send us a mail at the no name rcpc at gmail.com and we can see if we can work something out for you so um jq let's 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 patch jq in i haven't spoken to him for a while he's been busy let's find out what he's been up to joseph are you there I'm here. What's going on, Joseph? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good because I can still go to the track. Weather's been cooperating. It is the middle of September. It's nearly the end of September now. It's the 21st or something something like that now. I don't know what date it is. And it's still uh, viable to do things outside in Finland. It's, it's good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's nice. So <laughs> I've been testing stuff. And then, I mean, I was supposed to have this uh, setup guidebook done by done by the end of the month, like actually have the book by the end of the month. But this seriously, it's just never ending. So I just decided, look, at the end of the month, I'm sending it to get printed. That's it. Like I, I need to stop reworking it and stop adding stuff seriously i just need to stop and say like okay now it's done then that's it otherwise it's never gonna get printed so so i'll be working on that too yeah how many hours do you sleep a night because you've been talking to me sometimes late at night like late for me and i'm like not late but i'm like it's like five o'clock in the morning why is this guy not sleep yeah my schedule's been a bit weird the last few weeks i've been going to bed let's say between 3 and 5 a.m and getting up at 9 to go to the track oh my god something's wrong so there's that sometimes sometimes 8 30 and then yeah then on the weekends i don't go to the track so then i sleep longer like nine ten hours why didn't you go to the track on the weekends what's up with the weekends um because on weekdays, no one's there, so it's uh, good. Oh, there, Moleno is there, so it's just the two of us. It's much better, m- much more productive. And then, yeah, so I have to sleep at some point, relax at some point, then do it kind of like normal people would do that on the weekend. <laughs> so Interesting. that's been my schedule. Interesting. Yeah. Um nothing much for me like still real life kind of kicking in uh kind of getting to the the bottom of the nitty-gritty of what's going on with my daughter with her allergies that was oh man that was crazy 
she's kind of cleared up, but we're hoping it doesn't come back. But it will. It's just going to be an ongoing thing. There is no answer besides you're just controlling it. So, wow, children with allergies, man, it's not it's not easy. What's children, she allergic to? It's just she's just allergic, man. She's just I don't know if she's it's allergies or she's just got a maybe lost in translation with the, my wife and the doctor. It's like just a skin. Nobody knows. I haven't gotten a straight answer. Nobody knows. But she can't go in the sun. She can't do this. She can't do that. That's a whole bunch of she must. She's allergic to everything. That's what it seems like. Apparently, yeah, I have some unexplained allergies too. Oh my, my lip randomly just swells up. No, I know clear reason. It hasn't it's been doing very, that again. Uh, not now for a while, but it's weird, and it only happens in the morning. I, it's crazy. The only way it happens is I wake up, so I'm kind of half awake, and mm-hmm. then I feel my lip tingling, and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then I've seen it. Give it up. It's pretty few minutes, gross. And then it just swells up. Like ridiculous amount. Yeah. It's unbelievable that it just doesn't burst. Yeah, I just think she's going to have... In like, the afternoon, it kind of goes away. I think she's just going to have sensitive I'm, skin and that's she's just going to have to watch it. Or she'll grow out of it, hopefully. Well, I but think it's difficult. kids grow out of those normally. Yeah, so been busy with that. Um, oh, this is funny. Real quick. So my wife, she's been like selling bathing suits uh, through Instagram to like local girls, her, her and her sister. Her sister sent us some bathing suits and she's been buying that. So she's all in her hustle right now, which is cool. I like to see that. I, hopefully it, it pays some bills because she doesn't work. So, oh man, I'm just had to hear about bathing suits and everything's about bathing suits. And I got to stop her and see this bathing suit when I go somewhere and we have to go to make this special mission to find bathing suits and do this. I'm sick of seeing bathing suits, but she's making her money and she's making it back. And I'm happy for her. Uh, but now she's trying to get some money from this girl. She reminds me of you. Like she's, She's like, I'm, she's, nobody brought money to your office yesterday. It's like, no. She's like, this girl, she's playing games with me. She's going to find out who I am. I'm going to show her. I'm like, all right, take it easy. You know? You're getting all gangster. Like, take it easy. She wants to now go to the girl's house, find out where the money is. I'm like, she thinks I'm playing games. I'm like, ah, but yeah, good. She's got a hustle on. It's something for her to do. I'm happy about that. Excuse me. Uh, I need some water. Throat's drying out. But anyway, Joseph, uh, in the RC world for the last two weeks, it's been it's been busy. We had lots of racing going on. Um, I have to I have to apologize to looking at my notes. I have to apologize, to Martin Owen of Extra Lap. I forgot his name in the last podcast. How can, how can I forget Martin Owen? I'm very sorry. And I need to shout out. You know, I appreciate it. People send me things. People help out, uh, help me and help the podcast out. And I have a good friend of mine who I was on his podcast. And we talk now and then on Instagram. He isn't, he's kind of, you know, it's kind of quieted down. But my buddy Ed, he had uh, he had the same mix and all that type of stuff. And showed a lot of information about uh, podcasting and stuff. Had this nice case, Joseph, like one of those nice travel suitcases. Hard suitcases, like a Pelican case. And... Brand new for traveling, but he never used it. He's like, man, if you don't figure out some way to get this, I'm going to toss it. So my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, she lives in New York. 
She she drove over to see Ed, picked it up, and they sent it on her somewhere. And I got it, man. And this is this is awesome. Thank you to my sister in law, even though she don't listen to this because she don't speak English. And and her brother and her husband, he does though. I appreciate that, and I think I appreciate my buddy Ed for making this happen. And this is like a really expensive case, that like a three hundred and fifty dollar case would have cost me almost one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five dollars to ship it here to the DR. And I got it for eighty bucks, and that I can't beat that. So I appreciate that. I just pay it for shipping, obviously. So I appreciate that, um, Ed. And I got another package here the other day too uh, from somebody. And I have to open it up, and I will open it up and post up some pictures here later on. So, uh, like anonymous package. So, yeah, it's good. Some people send me T-shirts, which I appreciate, or something. So, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Joseph, are you there? Yeah. Or have I been? I thought I was talking to myself for like two, three minutes. All right. So I just mute myself. Okay, because you're doing something. You're working on your new engine. Um. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, just real quick, uh, for, for you, for JQ Racing, for us, you and I, it's been a great two weeks. Uh, look, last week in Australia, the thylacine, a mullet man, Aaron Dexter, he did really well. He won there. I hope he, I hope COVID restrictions relax for them and he can get over to the to the other side of the Australia to race with the guys like McBride and, and – um, Bernard Zach, who we talked, who Zach and I talked about, another very fast kids, young racers over there, obviously McBride, so you can race with them. Um, also, uh, Felix, man, Felix in France, he went to Switzerland. This is like a Swiss Nats or something. Have you ever been to this track, Joseph? Or seen this facility where he went to? What was it? Oh, man, I don't know. All I know is it had a banked like paved corner not as like super banked but like it was had paver like some of that concreted and then made like the impression of paved like or it might it might have been silver pennies or something i don't know but uh this was like a very european style track multi-surface not too many big stupid jumps different surfaces like cobblestone not cobblestones but you know like concrete and um felix went up there and he did good. He he came third, man. He TQ'd that, didn't he? Yeah, he TQ'd. Wasn't he second? Who was second then? He TQ'd that. He Felix came third. Right? Majube came second and Sartel came first. So he wasn't racing. Oh yeah, Sartel. I thought Majube won. <laughs> Emma Majube How was did in the Sartel lead? win? I don't know. Majube was in the lead for a long time. And uh, it was funny, we was just talking about Majube on the last podcast. And Felix was hunting him down, man. He done well. Good job to him. Congratulations, Felix. Felix is a good guy. Like, I like what he does. He puts in a lot of work. He's, he's very, very fortunate for the French JQ guys and for JQ France. Yeah, he, uh, he gets it. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Rene this past weekend in Germany. Like, I thought he won that when he put that podium picture up there. Yeah, me too. He just <laughs> substituted uh, himself with, I mean, uh, Burak with himself. Yeah, he um, he came fourth. He is super happy about that. Congratulations, Rene. Um, I was talking to him before the race a couple of days before that. He just, he just messaged him. I don't really talk to him that much, but he just messaged me. 
we got talking and uh he was super excited and like those guys are fast like he beat Mitra Wittemeyer, but I think he had a flame out. But hey, you got a that's still a win. Fourth. And Barkan, I think Barkan beat Burak again, Joseph. Wow. Barkan's been beating Burak a lot lately. Who I thought Burak won the race. Who won the race? Oh, now I'm confused. Let's see. Do I have my link here? Um Darn it. I do not. I don't have. Why don't you have the results? You bring up some I had race it. somewhere I and talk about I it, and it. then you don't even know the results. We've been over this before, Joe Rogan. I actually forgot to bring this up. Joe Rogan. This is when Joe Rogan be like, Jamie, can you bring that up, please? Can we show this guy here what's going on? But anyway, congratulations to him. And also, just in America, lots of local results. Club racing results or, you know, whatnot around. We've been getting good podium finishes, first, thirds there lately. So shout out to all the JQ guys, man. It's great great to see great to see all of the racing going on, period. I'm sure Joseph will come up with the results here soon. Um, congratulations to everybody. So with that said, there like I said, lots of racing going on. We had um also uh this past weekend we had the Southern Nets come up. And this was a race that I always like. Joseph, you said you enjoy this race as well, even though you now you say you don't. So I don't get it. But when you went, you had a good time. We had a good time. No, I do. I, I like the American races. The big American races all suck, <laughs> but the Southern Nats sucks the least out of them. See, that's your, that, that is your version of a compliment. Um, yeah. We've been to this race. Now, um, I, I mean, some people like that kind of racing. I just pre I just prefer to get more track time and drive more. But we've been over that, so yes, yes, we've been don't over need that. Don't to many get times. into that, but yeah, definitely this is head and shoulders above the other races. I think they do limit the entries. They air conditioned pits, super big hall. They build an awesome track. The dirt is great. It really. If you go to one of these races, then that's the race to go to. That's what I think. I, I would I would have to agree with you, man. Um, and they changed over this year. So it was, everybody was wondering what race time was going to do. Was you know race time? I mean, look, I'm going to give race time their props. When it comes to doing indoor races, these guys know what they're doing. They do it the best. I can't argue with them. Like they have their method. Yeah, they get the. I don't. I don't agree with the big, big entries. I understand why. It's. It's. They have to make money. Um, you just said you can't argue with them. Like I. Like what I'm. What I mean is like, I know why they do it. They do a good job of putting together their race. I mean, even leading into this race, they did like a behind the build type of video. Two of them, like just three minute videos. That I thought was pretty cool. Like they just they had a guy going around filming what they were doing, building the track, setting up everything. And it was just like a well-oiled machine. Everybody was doing their part that they can do, but they had never, they've never had to have a capped race before. So that was a big worry going into this race because they're used to having the big, you know, 700 entries and they can't have that at this race. It was 450, I believe, which I still think we could have come down a bit more. 
But they got out of there. Well, they had 18 car mains too, which was, eh. But they had to do that on Sunday. They had a curfew or something? Yes. I believe every hour after the time that they are in the hall, it's $1,000. That's what I was told when I went there. Hmm. So that's a lot of money, and that's more effort to be on car on time. So they went to 18 car mains, and uh, Dagani would have had a shit fit because you know he only thinks it should be 10 cars. That's almost 20, so he would have been like, what? 18 is a bit much, to be honest. I mean, it that is, is a big track, is. but still. Yes, but they had to do it to incorporate all the mains and get out of there in time. So I understand that. I get that. But that track was it was capable of doing it, in my opinion. Let's okay, well let's let's break it down. Let's talk about the track. Um that was a big thing going in there because people were like, is Bobby Moore gonna be able to replicate this track? Because this track is very 3D. The guy Ross used to build it before. He this only track he really builds. You know, even you've like every time I've seen this track, I always am amazed at the amount of different 3D elevation that they're able to do inside a track. A lot of dirt moved in lots of places. You would have to agree, right? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, but so Yeah, we it, went the track was just amazing. Yeah. And it had and it had a crossover, and I'm not a crossover guy, but it was perfect. And uh, just the track is just perfect, just great. So but they got the guy Ross to come in and assist. So Bobby and the guy Ross worked together and they built a great track. Now, the first thing for me when I saw it was like, oh shit, a, a crossover. I saw that and I'm just like, oh no, that was a big crossover. Like across I'm big, but I think the same grace was it jumped up. You know what I mean? Like you jumped up from lesser elevation up onto, you know, up into higher. So it wasn't, you know, that saved. It wasn't like a huck it and, and hope you make it type of jump. It, was, it looked fairly simple to do. I could be wrong, but I did see people mess up too. What did you think about that? Yeah, I'm not a fan of crossovers. I think they're just unnecessary, but yeah, I guess. I mean, it looked like it worked. Yeah, I thought the track, would, yeah, I thought besides that, and then they had that drop down, like you kind of just dropped off. It was still a jump. Like it had, it was very inclined, like, and uh, pretty much a wall you dropped off, but you it had a bottom and out to it. You went through that. I thought it was, I thought otherwise, and I thought the track was good, man. The double double section, like they had the six jumps, I believe, and Nitro Buggy would double, 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 and then E Buggy would like single, triple, double out. So everybody had different lines going through there, and it got rough. Did you see how rough it got coming onto the front straight? Yeah, that's the best thing about it. Oh, that that moke like made or broke guys right there. Like I saw Dakota Fenn go on the inside of that line so fast, right? And I, I was like, he's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again because I was watching it with Mike Hill, and he came around there and he just clipped that thing and it tore him around. I was like, yep. Wow, I thought he was going to do it again, but he just got too close. That was make or break. Like, people were going inside. The middle was jacked. You had to go wide out in the fluff, man. Oh, it was so rough. Oh, I was huckabucking truggies all over the place, Joseph. Buggies was something else. But it didn't look as rough as when we were there. So I think somehow it was 
packed harder than when we went there. Well, I think I when we know. went there, it got craters, like, you know what I mean? Like deep craters in areas. I didn't see that, but it did. It got, it got rough in certain areas, man. But. So what do we do? We're not going to go over 18 drivers here. No, no, but we're going to, I want to rate the track. I, we're going to do like a NNRC mic system. I think we should do that. So what do we give? What do you give the track? How many mics out of five? Let me see. Let me watch a lap. What, let me watch a lap of this. Oh my gosh. See, I give the track four mics out of five. If it didn't have a crossover, it would be five. Congratulations to Bobby and the guy Ross. They did a great job on the track, in my opinion. That crossover did look a little bit difficult, though. As a new guy, I would have been so int- I'm intimidated. And I've, I haven't driven in like two years. I would be intimidated with that crossover. I Yeah, I, I agree. I would give it four out of five. Four out of five NNRC yeah. mics. It's unanimous. Joseph and I agree on something. Yeah, it's it it looks like fun. I'd like to race here. Okay. What's your favorite part of that track? It's that five pack. Yeah. I like that too. That looks like uh that would be my favorite. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> and I think it um was a five pack. Or was you it can six ma- pack. It, it was, was a six pack, pack I it think. It was a six pack. Double yeah. double double. Nitro buggy double double double. And then that easy double on the front, no big stupid jumps, like perfect, perfect. So yeah, great you don't track need to have uh, stuff that breaks your car. Yeah, it can be Even big, th- but it can still be safe. I think the I think the crossover did break cars, but you just, just it's, yeah, it's, but the you have to get different. it wrong for it to break break your yeah. car. So we give the track that we always know the facility there is great. Everything we always talk about it. Let's talk about all right. Uh, Ryan, like, let's talk about dominance. Like, okay, so let's talk about racing. We, we, we okay, so about you said class. you've said a few episodes ago that Mayfield was basically done. Like I know, and he was. I feel done. like an idiot because now he's just like, yeah, you f- like take this, put this in your pipe, and smoke it. Fuck you. I, I, my memory is terrible, but I don't think I said that because I, I do think one of my takes was when we said that. Okay, so Mayfield, Cavalier, and Tebow. Mayfield, Cavalieri, and Tebow have been on the scene for a long time. They've over a decade. I mean, two decades soon. It's crazy. 15 years at least they've been winning. They've been the podium. And we were talking about who's going to be the first one to drop off. And if I remember correctly, I said Cavalieri is first, then Tebow, and last Mayfield. Because Mayfield loves this shit. You know, he's a tinkerer. So... Having said that, I find it very hard to believe that I would have agreed with you. So, you didn't. You didn't have to. I, I just t- said that you didn't agree with me. He was like, "No, it's not that." And I was like, "Man, he needs glasses." Okay, good. Anyway, he fuck just dominated. He swept all th- he all three nine qualifiers. Like, he just dominated. Yeah, he's pretty good. The Mayfield guy, he's nine. pretty good. But not only that, Mugen, I think Mugen and Sportsman done well. Like, at the end of the day, I was I was telling you before we came on our Mugen uh, got first one pro-Nitro, pro-E-Buggy. I believe they won 
intermediate nitro and intermediate e-buggy. I could be wrong or intermediate truggy. And they you know, sports. you should really have these facts before I we did do have podcast, it. I, right? I just I did write it all down, but I didn't write down all the exact positions. But I'm just yeah, maybe you, you should next time. Just well, you know, we, we, for I next know he, time. I know they won all nitro buggy. Okay, so the Mugen MBX8 won all of the nitro buggy classes at Southern Nationals. Well, that's pretty impressive. That is very. It's impressive. more impressive to win the other and other classes than the pro. Well, 40 plus, that's a given. It's most impressive to win those other classes, really. The pro is like you pay for the best pro. Mm -hmm. You have a good guy. Dude, Mayfield's going to win with whatever car he has pretty much now. Like most of the cars are good. So that's, that's not as impressive as just consistently in the intermediate class, sportsman class, those classes to be winning. That's what I think. Well, our top qualifiers were Mayfield, Rivkin, Fend. Now, I picked Fend for this. And Lutz. Now, Lutz was fourth. That's good. At Tebow, fifth. Hmm, Lutz had a great, great one, too. I meant to talk about that. Let me get my notes out. Right okay, there. so uh, there was a video of this on Facebook. I guess you sent me the link. So I started watching it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. So I started watching, and <laughs> that loop noise is so annoying. And then combine the loop noise with Jimmy. And I just, I was on the verge of having a, some kind of mental episode. <laughs> Why don't they just turn that loop noise off or turn it down? I don't get it. You, you, we don't need to hear the cars go, bing, bing. Oh, no, we just don't. Okay. <laughs> and then, so I was in this frame of mind, but I'm like, I'm going to watch it. So I know what happened in the race. And then like second lap, third lap, whatever, uh, you know, you know, my pet peeve. So Mayfield gets hung up on the pipe, cuts the track. Jimmy sees it because Jimmy's like, okay, Mayfield, you, you got to uh, let the first guy by. Let's Rivkin by. Cuts in front of Dakota Fan. Now, was that a good move? Fair move? Of course not. Would I have done the same? <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, but that's why there's a fucking race director. <clears throat> Who actually saw the situation? Now, why do I say that this was wrong? Well, he cut the whole corner. No big deal, blah, blah, blah. Right? What if the fucking loop was in that corner? Are you trying to tell me that he would just cut the loop and not get a lap? Of course he wouldn't. He would have hopped the pipe back, done the corner, and continued. He would have been, what? Definitely behind Fend. At least minimum third. Maybe fourth. Who knows? But this, I mean, that already pissed me off a bit. Like, eh, no rules, American racing. The, the Jimmy sees what happens and he's just fine with it. Oh, just let Rivkin go. Let's, you know, uh, that should be fine. And then, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep watching anyway. Next thing. So Adam Drake's dropping like a stone. I don't know what happened here. He has like a one one minute, 40 second lap. That's not a that. Well, actually, that could be a double lap. I'll just have Adam's mechanic uh, let me know if if he missed a lap or something. What the fuck? Like you're running the race and you're basically saying on the loudspeaker, yeah, this guy, uh, he may have flamed out. He may have cut the track. Anything could have really happened. But I'm just going to trust his mechanic to tell me what happened. Then I just turn it off. Seriously. Bing, bing. That. And then 
cutting the track, Jimmy seeing it, then Jimmy saying, oh, Drake's mechanic can just let me know if uh, we need to add a lap. To oh my God, then I just turned it off. Done. So I don't really know what happened in the race, to be honest. Okay. Well, <clears throat> pretty much it started out after that. After that, Mayfield got out in front, uh, fended, tried to challenge him. He messed up. Then it came, and that's, I think, like, around the halfway mark. Tebow came in. It might have been before that. <clears throat> and and Tebow kinda, is always going to do well on a track that yeah, gets Yeah, I, I actually could have picked Tebow to win her, uh, to be honest. Well, he wasn't uh, far off. No, he seconds. wasn't. But he just wasn't, he just, like, that. by, by that time... Uh, Mayfield had his rhythm. Like, I mean, Dakota Fenn and him battled, battled. And Mike and I were watching this. I was like, Fenn's going to get him. Fenn's going to get him. And he didn't. Uh, he would just make, he would fend himself, like, as we say. So that happened. And yeah, just like Tebow got in there and kind of saw, like, all right, I'll take second. You know what I mean? I'll take second and I'll take this. And then Fenn, Lutz, and Cole Ogden were battling a lot throughout that whole race. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, definitely. they finished close together. Yes. Spend on lots, at least. Ogden and dropped this, off a bit. So what happened to Rivkin? Because Rivkin was up there. He had something happen the, in the his, to his car or something, I believe. I was reading his race report. Uh, let's go. I have it here. I screenshot it. So let's find out what happened to Rivkin. Have I don't have Rifkin. Okay. I think he finished too far down. I only did like the couple the guys that were up near the top. But uh he had issues, man. I don't think uh I don't think uh I don't think that Saxton went to this race. So that makes a big difference for him too. What about Cavalieri? Cav did great in truck and e-buggy. He came... A bit off the have, pace in uh, Nitro Buggy then. Yeah, he was seventh in Nitro Buggy. Yeah, he was second in truck, third in e-buggy, seventh in Nitro Buggy. Uh, that's, seventh that's is where you finish when you're off the pace, but you have a clean main. Yeah, that's, I would give... I've Cav finished seventh a lot. <laughs> Cavs are putting in work He won JBRL the week before At CVR That was one of the other bigger races So He put in the work He's putting in the work on that side Let's see um, Seth Van Dalen was kind of He was not really too, imp too around this weekend Like you know He would do something incredible but It was kind of a quiet weekend for him But he did finish 6th Joe Bornhorst, nothing all race. Sorry, Joe. Brandon Rose, a great result for him. He hasn't been racing much. Jackson Bronson, uh, he probably should have a better result than this. He was good in seeding and did good in qualifying. He should have a better result than 12. Mason Fuller. Yeah, but the track got rough, though. Maybe he was just fast on the yeah. smooth track. Mason Fuller, it's good to see the Fuller uh, family out racing. Uh, they race a lot father it's mason 
he's running pro cadence running intermediate i believe caden came second and in intermediate and their dad helps him out he was busy he's busy with them good that's a good result for him jared wiggins doing a lot of racing he should do better than 14th but maybe looks he finished his race so Codwell, Reeves, Drake, obviously have a problem. Lee Setzer. All right. So, Cole Ogden, fifth. I think that's respectable for Cole for this race. This is a stacked race. He's been to this race before, though. But I'll give Cole. What, what are we saying about Cole? A good fifth is respectable for him? Yeah, it's good. I mean, he could have been third, too. I mean, probably he had a mistake here bad luck there you know things happen in a race like that so mm -hmm. he was battling with those guys i guess that's what you said he isn't too far back from them too so no he isn't he did good um he also did some videos and stuff even cole's getting into video thing he did a track walk he's got his own uh his own video intro that's pretty cool it's very like 1980s i like it Check it out on YouTube. Ryan Lutz, man. I'm I'm so glad to see Ryan go to a race. So glad. So happy. I don't want to hear nothing. No negative stuff. All right, Joseph. So shut up. But it's good to see him back. Fourth. Uh, he did also did good in truck and in and in um in e buggy. But his best result, I believe, was Ryan was in uh in e, in in Nitro Buggy. So what do you think? Lutz, great, great comeback for him. He needed this, I think. He needed this more than anybody. He needed a good result at this race. A top three. I don't think he was gonna win it, but he needed a this is a good result for Lutz. What do you think, Joseph? Yeah, it's good. Top five is good at that race. Very close to a podium. Yeah. Lutz does what Lutz does. We've been over this. Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, he got sixth in Truggy, seventh in E-Buggy. So he made all his mains, and he finished fourth. Let, let's, when I say, like, this is good for Lutz, let's understand this. He went to, like, people don't, people don't want to forget about it, but he went to Montpellier this year. He didn't get out of the quarters, I think, right, Joseph? I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, he didn't get out of the quarterfinals, and then he didn't make the pro nitro buggy main at DNC this year. And then he didn't do PMB, but we all know why. And he's been doing, he's been racing though, a lot of with like USRC and FX of nitro and doing races on that caliber, but not against. Uh, a stacked field like this, but to come out and and finish fourth, I think that's respectful. That's good. That's that's doing good for the Agama brand and 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 Lutz, and it's good to see. So yeah, it's good. Kudos. But I mean, we talked about it before. I just remember when he switched to Agama, and I saw him race in China, and I was saying like, wow, he, I think he's sort of stepped it up. He he's going to be even better. And then he won DXR, and um wasn't there some other race he won or did really well at i think he did really well at like sick yeah i can't remember anymore anyway and then it's kind of weird just now it's like back to that kind of same old same old thing like i was i was thinking he would
be winning these races now. Like he would take a step up. Yes. I don't know. Kind of faded away. He, he, he has... I, I really think that he could be like lots could be like Mayfield or like Tessman or like Ronnefalk. Lots could be like those guys. I really believe that. But he isn't. Do you yep, see what I mean? I get that. He's good, I know yeah. what you mean. But he's not winning the big races that he should be, I think. Yeah, he should he should be winning this on the top three. But you know, it didn't happen and there are other reasons for that too. So I think this is a great result for him, comparing to what his last two big race results were. This is this is great for him. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion. So very good. Well done, Ryan. Dakota fan, man, he needs to be winning some of these races. Come on, man. He's got to win some of these races, Joseph. He done, he won Truggy. Yeah, you, you want him to win all the classes, right? That's your thing. That's the prophecy. I would, no, I wanted to win. He finished, buggy. you know, you should be happy. He finished, I would, he finished on the podium. That's good. That's good. I think the prophecy is will he win Nitro Buggy? Not all three classes. Let's just get Nitro Buggy under his belt. I wish there was a place you could go and you could just click on a driver and see their results from the past years. Yeah, I, I heard there's Wouldn't a new website cool? out anyway. So we need to talk about that too. All right, so Dakota Fenn, good. Tebow. Tebow does it again, man. Top techno driver. Steady drive. No real, you know, uh, charges for the, for the lead. He kind of just figured out I could take second. We got that one so wrong. Didn't we say that Lutz would do better than Tebow? Like that yeah, we did. We really move did. thing. Like <laughs> we was wrong on all counts. Yeah. Like it was a Tebow good move been... for, for techno. Tebow's doing better. It was a good move for Tebow. That's just... To me, that's pretty crazy. I would have never thought. Well, but yeah, it is happening. He's been doing really well. It's happening. He's doing very good. Another great result. I would I would say that um, your top three drivers of 2020 in eight scale are... Oof, it's going to be hard. It's going to be like... The R... David won DNC, so that has to go for one of the top races. Uh, Mayfield, he won PMB. And, uh, no, Tebow won PMB. Sorry, what am I saying? Tebow won PMB. Mayfield won Wicked Weekend or LCRC, I think. But At the end of last year, Tebow won the Buggy Land race too. Mayfield won he's this. Been, this he's is been seriously race. good. Yeah. So. Tebow, man, and, and Mayfield, two veterans. Two veterans still up front. Two veterans still up front, Joseph. But they're still yeah, like when, 30, Yeah, when are these guys going to be replaced by young younger talent? Who knows? Uh, 
it's coming. There's there's glimmers like um, I, honestly, I think it's still gonna be a while. Maybe a few more years. Like five like, more years. Um, these young kids, like the Fullers, they're coming. Uh, the Mason and his 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 brother Caden. <clears throat> you have these, like this young kid, uh, Spencer Klein, who won intermediate nitro buggy. He won at PMB as well. He's gonna be fast if he could get out and get around. He needs to do like a DR DNC now and do well there and intermediate, I would say, and then go from there. I know these guys in the uh, in the in the Midwest. There's lots of young kids there that are, that are nipping at the heels of these guys. They just waiting for that big outbreak, but it's still a few years away. You know what I mean? It's not gonna happen. Maybe uh, some glimmers next year, but I don't see it happening like right away. There might be that one guy. So we shall see. We shall see. So I think for me. Yes, okay, this was not like a top like top quality production. They never are for for Southern Nationals. Uh Dave just has a, a standard camera there, a camera, and then I think various people man it throughout the day. There are no professional camera guys. He does have this one guy who does all his photos and video work who does a good job. He did his promos. I really enjoyed the the pre build videos, so thank you. To those guys who did that, I thought that was awesome. That's good to see. I think that's, <clears throat> I like stuff like that. You know what I mean, Joseph? Like uh, a three-minute video on how the build's going. It, it gets people excited, and I think it, it gives a little insight into the background of what goes into building one of these tracks, so I like that. And we got to at least see the main. So you know what I mean? Yes, it wasn't the best camera angle, but when you're watching the timing and watching the camera, you kind of can get a good view of the race and michael and i were doing that he we were both watching it i was talking to him on whatsapp and we, we watched this whole race it got kind of boring because mayfield kind of pulled away and then they're like well no one's gonna challenge for him and then uh lutz and ogden <clears throat> and the and fen were battling but i think good race 450 entries so wasn't as many as they're used to i think it's still gonna be less but this is a good example of a, a cap race that can still be good like you know what i mean 450 is a lot of entries but it's a lot less than um 800 you know so good event i would say yeah to be honest i'd still like to go yeah uh, because everything was so great but i was having those <clears throat> engine issues and then i picked the wrong tires for the main so it's it sort of yeah. It ruined what could have been a great event. So I, I want to go back and then have a good main and have fun. I mean, the Troggy race was good. That was fun. Oh, man, I your Troggy something race. Something happened there. I can't remember. Did I? No, you just. No, I no, had that crash just, in the back here. That's true. Yeah. There was that crossover thing or something and yeah. it took forever. Oh, man. You and Drake battled in that Troggy race so bad. Yeah, that, that was, was, so it was awesome. fun. Drake, 40. All right, well, let's talk more about this race. Some rumblings. Uh, we you know what? I'm so over this race, and I bet the listeners are too. Just wrap it up, move on. Fuck. All right. Wow. What else I'll is there to say? 
I don't know. Just congratulations to all the winners, man, who done well. I, I enjoyed yeah, the race. Exactly. Okay. Jesus. Somebody doesn't want to talk. Anyway, uh, anything else you want to talk about? Oh, do we want to talk about the new RCGP website? That has been launched. Yeah, man. Everyone should go and check out the new RCGP website. What is the RCGP website, Joseph? rc-gp.com. rc-gp.com. Because I haven't seen it on my laptop yet. I've only seen it on my phone and i liked what i saw ah very nice so what can we talk about her joseph let's see what makes this website so the dates are released oh we do have the dates of the rounds that are going to happen so it's usa europe europe rc of nations usa okay so you have some we have some explanations to go on her, Joseph. What's going on here? Talk to us. I like the video in the background. I like that. That's that's cool. The dates. Why don't you yeah, say the I dates? Like, I just said the dates. Oh, sorry. First round, one and two will be March 26th to 28th in USA. Second uh, round, three and four, because these are two races, sorry. will be April 3rd to May 2nd. Rounds five and six, June 25th to 27th. Uh, the RC of Nations will be in Europe, will be October 8th to 10th. And then round seven and eight, the final rounds will be back in the USA for November 5th to 7th. It's a lot yeah. of racing. So there's a bit of a break there over the summer from June to what was when was the last one? October. October, October yeah. So like July, August, September. No, it's not October, isn't it? November. The last mm, one. No, it goes June 25th to 27th. And the RC of Nations race is the 8th. The last RCGP, when is it? Ah, June 27th, and then it's November. Yeah, November, like I said. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so a bit of a break to avoid all the races over the summer. Wow, so these David's dates must doing have been hard to come by. Locations. So I don't know. <clears throat> Off the record, no one listens to this anyway. So uh, I've heard that the first race would be in El Paso, Texas. Oh, that'd be great. Then second race. Second race, I think, trying to get it to Portugal. So that mm -hmm. Joao's track. I think the third race, third race is in Europe also. That's either in Fairing in Austria or then uh, that Landshut in Germany where they had the 40 plus euros. And then the last race, I think it's going to be SMB. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, so that's, yeah, but David's dealing with that. But those are, you know, likely. And then the RC of Nations, that's something new. I guess information is going to be released later, but mm -hmm. that's the date. Um, hopefully that race will be at Redovan, actually. But I don't know about that. It would what be cool. We... They have the worlds in two. Th I think what's happening now is that 
2020 was basically just skipped. So everything that was supposed to happen 2020 is going to happen in 2021. So that would mean that gonna have we go to the worlds in Brazil and that, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So I, I honestly don't know it, what's going on with uh, eight scale worlds for next year, but I think then 2023, uh, Redovan would have the worlds. So I think they were supposed uh, to have it in 2022, but now it might be a year later. So no, I think the RC of Nations, might... that's that's a completely different race to what we have now and if you know motocross then just go look at the motocross of nations and that's basically the idea so it's three drivers per country racing as a team so it's not an individual race really it's all about the team so everyone's racing for their country and yeah that's with three cool. yeah with three drivers how it works is for the mains there are actually three mains and two drivers per team race in each main. So each driver races in two, two out of the three mains. So yeah, so it's going to be very different. And I hope that uh, people like the idea. And when the entry is open, I hope teams sign up. It's going to be just you know one team per country so hopefully we can get the best drivers from each country and it could be a spectacular race amazing race so i'm really looking forward to that to be honest so rcgp is sort of a closed series it's only for the teams and two drivers per team and then there's rc2 the open class but rc of nations is open so you could have you know the three best brazilians racing it's the three best Americans and Italians and Swedes and everything. So it's a whole different ball game. And they'll they'll be the main RC of Nations class, but then there'll also be one for juniors and you know, if there's room, could be one for forty plus, you know, so there's there, it's possible to have more drivers from one country than just three. There could be sort of the pro, the junior, the forty plus, you know, so yeah, it's gonna be something special and something new. So there's, I'm sure there's going to be more information soon about that. Sweet, man. That sounds good. <clears throat> the website looks great. Guys, go check it out. It's rc-gp.com. And uh, yeah, let's get going, man. It, you know, um, we was talking about, uh, hold on one second. Uh El Paso is going to be good. You know, I I think, can we say what track it's going to be at? I mean, we kind of know two tracks. And... Hello? What? Can we say the track name? Isn't there only one track in El Paso, Texas? Not really. There's two now, I think. So. But, yeah. Uh, SCRC. Uh Joey showers, Corbin showers, those guys. So it's going to be good. They just rebuilt their whole driver stand. Their track's big. It's going to be like real off-road. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good to see. Um, on that tip, right, Joseph, My, I, have, I was thinking about what is going to happen with the worlds and all that stuff. Here we have, I, I don't you think even Brazil. 
Excuse me? Or did you have some? I just said. No, no, but my thoughts were thinking like this. I don't think there's even going to be able to be a Worlds in Brazil next year if they tried. So that isn't Redevon supposed to have the Worlds in 2022, right? Uh, yeah, but what they might do is they might just take everything that was supposed to happen in 2020, move it to 2021. Mm -hmm. Oh, so there wouldn't be a 10 scale worlds next year either. Yeah, that would go to no. 2023. So everything would just move one year forward. Right. right. But honestly, okay. honestly, they, uh, uh, in my opinion, they should just skip it. Just try again. They've skipped the year before, though. There's been a time where they just didn't have a Worlds. I think it was in, in South uh, South Africa or something. Yeah, it's possible. Hmm. Interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what they what they decide to do uh, next year. At, well, not even just what they decide to do. What we can't. What we're able to do. We don't even know what we're going to be able to do going into. Uh, 2021 it should be interesting it should be interesting i had a weekly question that i wanted to ask and it's uh it's something i want to try out and this is for you joseph or anybody out there as well who will horizon buy next will they buy will, will horizon buy jq racing next joseph i think so yeah i think that's when they get when they buy jq racing they'll have the market covered <laughs> they have like TLR, the last TLR Proline Arma Axial JQ Racing they're good to go <laughs> oh my gosh I don't know it's going to be interesting to see who Horizon buys next I think it's going to be a lot more ongoing things that we're going to see happening so should be interesting should be interesting all right, Joseph. Well, you know what? Any other news or anything? That was kind of like our news and everything right there. So you guys just got kind of rambling. And that was it. That was the Manscaped RC News for this week's podcast. Yeah. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code no name in all caps and get 20% off your order. And remember, cut through the jungle, find your manhood. Joseph, it's time to go on to the Beach RC Q&A. You ready for that? Yeah. You know what? I have some news. I, I learned to play uh, Good Riddance by Green Day on the on that acoustic guitar. Uh-huh. But interestingly, I learned it without actually practicing it. So this is this is weird. So at first I used, I remember when I was practicing it and I got really frustrated and I couldn't do it. And then like almost a year passes by and I'm just playing other stuff, learning other stuff. Then I went back to it and then I could play it. Isn't okay. That crazy. Is that the news you wanted to share? That's the news I wanted to share because it just happened today. So I was pretty stoked about that. So you should play it with your wow. guitar. No, I'm not going to play it now. Yeah, you're but it's bad. interesting how that works. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it's time for the Beach RC Bench Racing Q&A segment. 
BeachRC.com. The Racers one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. Yes, thank you, BeachRC, for bringing you the BeachRC Bench Racing Q&A. This is where we take all of your Facebook and Instagram questions. We did this uh, a couple of weeks ago, so we do have some Facebook questions from you guys and Instagram questions. Uh, go check out BeachRC. Lucas was at the Southern Nationals. They're usually at any big race that you go to in the Southeast. Check them out online. If you can, please use our affiliate link in there because every little bit helps, and that gives you show if you have any influence. Go into BTRC. Check them out. Brick and mortar hobby shop with a, with a track, you know, doing it online. Check out BTRC. They have been a big supporter of the No Name RC podcast. So, Joseph, first question comes from Chris Boyder, a.k.a. Gator Man. He wants to know, should you line up on the stand for the A main in the order that you qualify should you do it in one? Should you do that in all the mains? And he says it always seems like it's first co- first come first serve. Hashtag NNRC squad. What do you think, Joseph? You should line up for every single main in the order that you start that main. Then it's simple. No one has to stand in line. I hate standing in line. Go there early and try and get the best spot. It's stupid. Just go up in the number that uh, you qualified for that race. Is that why you take so long to go up for your races all the time? Why? Because I don't like standing in line? Yeah. Or is that just your ritual, like calming the nerves? I don't know. I, I just don't like standing in line. You do not. You definitely do detest that. Thank you, uh, Gator Man, for the question. Danny Newman, do you think that there would be more faster racers on the East Coast if track owners would stop making off-road tracks that are smooth and high traction to please the racers that can't stay in the groove? Off-road isn't made to be like an on-road, like on-road with jumps. Hmm. What do you think, Joseph? Do you think it should, we like old school tracks, but you know, it can't always be old school tracks. It's rare that we have old school tracks nowadays, but do you think the old school tracks make you a better racer? Or do you think it's just, uh, is it true? Is because the tracks in the East Coast aren't as rough and the East Coast guys struggle against the, the West Coast guys? I think there's room for everything. What I hate is when they fix the track during the race. That really annoys me. I think the only thing you should fix is if there's, for example, a jump face that you, that's blind and there's holes in that, then yeah, fix that. But jump faces that you can see, that all the drivers on the stand can see, I don't see any reason for fixing those. And anything else, just leave it. So I think there are 
really good tracks that stay perfectly smooth and that's fine and then others that get rough and that's how it should be there, there should be variety I, it would be really boring if every track was just completely smooth and stayed that way and just got sort of this slippery groove on it polished like a kind of like thornhill kind of like thornhill gets like if that was every single track it would be boring but if that's that one track that is like that that's fine and you go to thunder alley and it's completely different or this race and it's different again so yeah i i, I, I think it's good to have a variety i think um also not only is it just tracks in california they race a lot like they club race throughout the week and like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, like Tuesday at, at Hot Rod, you can be racing against guys that are fast, like, and we, you know, race, and you're racing hard. I've been there, I've seen it. And then you have OCRC on Wednesday, and then you go that weekend to like a JBRL where the competition's stiff. It's a lot of racing going on because also because the weather in California allows it too. So East yeah, Coast has to deal with, with winter and, and, and they don't get as much racing in. And even when it is good weather, it's it can be shitty. Like So, yeah, I think that's a big factor. Danny Newman has another question. He goes, why do tracks give more time to Nitro when tracks make more money on electric RC off-road races because there are more of them? Well, I don't know. Um I mean, I think all eight-scale e-buggy mains should be 10 minutes. I hate when I see eight-minute mains, but be 10 minutes. But I don't know why the track maybe do double A mains, 10, 20 minutes. Nitro, I think, is always going to be get more time because that's what people really want in nitros. There's longer mains, 20 minutes, two, two pit stops or more. So that's why. I, that's the only reason I can see why. But I get it. There's more e-buggies because it's paying the bills. You know that, Joseph, right? So There's more e-buggies maybe because it's easier. Yeah, but he's he's saying why aren't they? Why don't they give more time to the e-buggies, like track time? I, I'm guessing. Also, you well, can't pit e-buggies. E yeah, e-buggy races are short. Maybe double A mains. I think the A main, A final should be double, and then every other main should just be ten minutes under that. Like most nitro mains. I don't know, Danny. David Brashears. Want to say thanks for all the useful information to us newbies to racing. Wow, Joseph. Well, uh, it's good, bro. You are having an effect with all the information that you give, Joseph. That's awesome. And we're why? What happened? We're being effective. We're not just being. Uh, gossips were being effective. I love that. Thank you. I love when I get comments like that. Thank you, David. Being a newbie, I really struggle with setup because I'm all over the place with what I should adjust when the car feels a certain way and can be very frustrating to have someone new into the hobby. I have learned a lot but have a long way to go, but it's a lot to remember on a race day. What should I focus on more as far as setup? Shocks, oil, shock positions, et cetera, camber, toe, diffs. I've gotten down for most part 
I've gotten tires down for most part on the, the treads and compounds to run. My, my nitro tuning skills are getting, getting there. I mostly run a box setup. I do mess around with different diff oils and shock oils some. So my focus is practice and trying to get a feel of my car. What is the single most important thing that I need to do to become a better, to become a, to have a better race day? So I guess he wants to delve into setup, but he just has, wants a little bit of guidance on where he should start. Okay. So there's two things that this guy has to do. First, he needs to watch my engine tuning video when it comes out. Then he yes. needs to buy my <laughs> setup guide book when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, good, done. But seriously, though, the, the most important thing is just to do the basics right. I know it's boring, but it, every time the same thing. I mean, it's crazy how how bad some people are with basic mechanical stuff like screw nut tighten pivot point moves freely like it's not really that complicated but so many things can be messed up on a car like binding arms binding links binding uh, shock caps binding suspension not moving oil that's way too thick in the shocks like like basic things that you would assume that you just anyone even first day at RC can understand that okay this is this is wrong like I can look at Mayfield's car I can feel the suspension and mine feels completely different like something's wrong clearly like it's just the basics just do the basics right make sure the drivetrain sp spins free Make sure the suspension moves without the shocks on. Everything's free. Make sure you build the linkage and brake and throttle linkage correctly. Set the endpoints correctly. Set your brakes correctly. The very basics. Do those things. Focus on those things. Adjust your camber. Adjust your down travel. Uh, stick to that. Seriously. Like... You don't need to be changing upper links and and uh, hop positions and shock positions and all these different things and trying a million different pistons. You really don't. Like, stick to the stock setup and do that properly. Or go to that manufacturer's website or Facebook or wherever and find the sort of latest standard setup or latest recommended setup depending on where you're racing you know find a setup for that track or that kind of track whatever manufacturer you run they should be able to provide that information to you and then run that and then just work on your driving and that's it like it's not don't go overboard like i i ride motocross as a hobby i don't need the latest setup I, I'm not good enough. Like I just need a bike that has, you know, the spring and and the shock set to my weight and skill level. So it's kind of in the ballpark, and that's it. And I just focus on my riding. That's kind of the approach that more people should have in RC. Also, they 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 think that if they make some drastic change to the car, it's gonna teach them how to drive. It it doesn't work that way. 
or they think that if they make some big change on their car or bolt on some latest hot new setup, it's going to make up for the fact that they, they don't do the basic stuff with care. It doesn't like pay attention, build your car correctly and stick to the basic setup. That's how you start. Ten four. You know how many times I've I've seen that happen. Seen like what you, happen? Like every time a person brings somebody a car to you and just notice little things and fix it, and you always do the basic things. Yeah, I mean, if you have inserts in the car and left and right inserts are different in the hubs, it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, it happens. I know, but like, I I don't understand that kind of stuff. I just don't. But it happens, dude. Just like you think you've done everything. You just made that one mistake and next thing you know, it's not there. So, but yeah, the basics is most important. But um, I would add to that, uh, get a good guide. Joseph has a good guide, but he's coming up with a better one. And uh, I would uh, do it sparingly. Don't do a bunch of changes because you won't know what you've done. So... And use, yeah, just use common sense. Like if, if you know that this will do this, try it, uh, try it. That's the only thing you can do is try it. If you don't like it, you go back and note it. I would say a note it down too. I'm not good at that, but I know Joseph notes things down. I would note things down. All right. Vin, thank you for the question, David. Sorry. Vin Manchanda. You guys have covered this before and by different people, so I'd like some clarity. When do you raise or lower your ride height? When it's bumpy, when it's wet and muddy, ruts, dusty, obviously. It's when it's smooth traction, we lower it. It's all the, the, those other times. I usually run the nose a little lower so I can get on the throttle sooner off jumps. Looking forward to Beaker's new guide. Thank you and keep up the good work. See you in the U.S. round for RCGP, hopefully one on the East Coast. Higher grip, lower ride height, looser track. You can try a bit higher ride height. Bumps are kind of, it depends sometimes. It kind of depends on the track and the bumps, but sometimes the car is better when it's a bit higher. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes just the normal ride height is better. Some Maybe even lower and softer can be better for bumps you know so it's not straightforward like oh it's rough high or higher ride height it doesn't work that way it could be either or but what typically works always is yeah very high grip lower car is better loose very loose higher car is better but at the end of the day when you have a really good setup, it works with a certain ride height because of the geometry of the car. So it's like, that's kind of the ride height that's best. So that's what you run. So even though you can make those changes to the ride height, it's not necessarily, I'm not saying that it will be better when you change your ride height, because if you've dialed in your car to a certain set ride height, regardless of what changes on the track, you know, the traction level or bumps or stuff, 
your car may still be, be the best with that ride height. So there's that. So there's, there's no easy answer, is there, for these kind of questions? No, not at all. But thanks, Vin, for the question. And thank you for the support, man. And yeah, we just talked about RCGP, so it should be good. Couple more questions. Chase Elric, my buddy. Yeah, dude. He uh he did well this weekend. I think he got in the podium at CTRC. Congratulations. He wants to know why do tent scale cars still use ball cops instead of captured like their bigger siblings? Uh, because they take up less space and I guess the weight is lower also. Mm-hmm. But mainly I, I think the space and they don't need captured ball cups the ball links the ball cups they have they're good enough to do the job do the job and they're lighter colin branch what's up colin track walk when is keaton coming back for an epic rant i don't know keaton's living his best life on the airport yeah, we need man. Keaton back for some kind of rant. i know i we'll talk to him he's it's busy on airport life, man. He's loving that. What's it's he doing? up on Facebook. He, you know, works on the ramp on airports, like for this airline, Alaska Airlines. So he flies all over America, sometimes all over the world. Works on what? Train. He flies all over the America, all over the world, training people. To do what? On the ramp. To, like, how to operate, like, take luggage and stuff off airplanes and stuff like that. I guess, uh-huh. and service airplanes, like, and they land. Okay. Yeah, like, all that stuff is all done in the airport. The airport's like its own little micro city inside of a town or whatever. It runs on its own r- rules and stuff like that, stuff to do. So He's busy doing that, and he gets good travel, and he travels around, and, you know, he, you know, wherever he goes, he goes. He's... Jeff Keaton's living his best life. So we have to get him back on though. Adam Ian Reeve. What's up, Adam? He goes, the new guy that's coming out soon. Will that help set up the new JQ Truggy that's being released next year? And then his laugh, and SJ laughs at him. No Truggy next year, SJ. I mean, Adam, I do want a Truggy though. You gotta get a Truggy, Joseph. It's right. gonna help for every any car, even full size cars probably. Oh Lord! Don't go claiming that you can set up full size cars now, with your theory. Well, of course they they work the same way. The theory is the same. <laughs> oh Lord! All right, we do have uh, two more Instagram questions from Joe Chandler. What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? When is the next time you are coming to America? For me, it's probably looking like 2021, hopefully DNC, if things work out. Hopefully, probably the same for you, Joseph, if things work out, right? Yeah, I think same, DNC. All right, uh, Donut or Muffin. Uh, what's up, KB Wolf, Kenny? He wants to know, he always has a food question. Joseph, is it a donut or a muffin? If we got a Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, it's going to be donut. hot chocolate for you. You don't drink coffee. Yeah, hot chocolate and the donut. What donut do you like the most? Favorite? 
I don't know. I'm not that into donuts that I have a favorite. I like those chocolate donuts, just the old chocolate ones. Yeah, just not chocolate. Okay, how about that? All right, so I like them, but I also like Dunkin' Donuts' chocolate chip muffin. So it's quite a toss-up. I think I'm going muffin because, yeah, muffin and a coffee. Here we go. He wants to know, hey, should I be using a server saver on my steering server or just a solid horn? Keep up the great work. I haven't seen people use servo savers in a long time. Like actual servo saver horns. On what car? Yeah, unless it's a 12 scale, then no. And maybe probably not even on those anymore. I don't know. Yeah, Actually, I haven't seen I think the... they do use them. I don't oh, know. Wow. I don't know. But no, don't use those. All right. All right. Well, there you go, guys. Thank you for the questions. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you, BTRC, for your sponsorship of this podcast. Like I said, guys, there is an affiliate affiliated leak link in the description. If you can use it, it's greatly appreciated. Check them out. Joseph, it's time to go to the main interview with Zach Ryan, and I will talk to you later on. Cool beans. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high performance off-road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. Techno RC. Excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. What's up, NNRC squad? Joining me this week all the way from down under 12 hours ahead of me. It's like, it's 7 o'clock in the morning here. It's 9 o'clock where he is. His blog is going to drop this week. It dropped a couple of weeks ago. He's been an avid supporter of the podcast. He's traveled all around the world to race RC cars. He has a good view on what's going on in the RC world. And his blogs really impressed me because... I feel the same way as he does on a lot of his points. So I'd like to introduce Mr. Zach Ryan, a.k.a. Mr. Fancy Pants. What's going on, dude? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Great to be on the podcast. Been listening for a long time now. So, yeah, it's great to finally have a chat. How did you figure out? How did you? I, I, you have been a, uh, an avid supporter of the podcast for quite a while, you and Ben. And I greatly appreciate that. But how did you even find out about um, the NNRC? Oh, I think probably just uh, looking on Facebook and, and, you know, any of the sort of coverage that's sort of been happening um, over the last sort of couple of years. And um, and then you sort of just listen to a couple of um, rants and stuff online and, and then all of a sudden, um, yeah, you, you find the No Name RC podcast. So. Some idiot from Bermuda rambling on with some idiot from Finland. I do appreciate it, man. And thank you for your time, for coming on. Thank you for your blogs. They're pretty awesome. Um, we're going to drop, you're going to drop the second one here this week. Probably by the time this podcast is released, it will be out. Um, great, great, great blogs. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but I want people to learn a little bit more about you. You're Zach Ryan, you're from the East Coast of Australia, I want to say. Yeah, that's East. right. East Coast in Brisbane. So, yeah, Southeast Queensland. So, you're over there racing um with mcbride bernard zach um 
Who else is fat? Uh, the, the young, uh, young yeah, kid so, Jack who just signed for GQ. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, I guess the club that I've been in pretty much since I started racing um, has been really the main club for for Kyle McBride, um, Aaron Stringer, um, and now Alex Benazic, um, who's who's really really stepped up his game lately. He's going really fast, which is great to see. Um, so there's lots of Lots of young kids that are coming through now. And, um, yeah, Jack Parsi, which is um, really good to see. His pace um, over the last sort of couple of months has really really started to, to go forward, so it's great. It's impressive what that part of Australia is pushing on. I mean, you, obviously we have Kyle McBride, who in one of my opinions is one of the most talented drivers in the world. He, he, he rarely leaves Australia, and he still can compete with these guys. Um, you have, like I said, you have Bernardzik. Is it? Am I saying his right name right? Bernardzik. Bernardzik. Uh, Bernardzik. Yeah. Bernardzik, yeah, who I right. got introduced to last year, and wow, this young man is extremely fast and oh, nipping yeah, on fast. the heels of. Oh, he's gonna be. He's if if he starts going to America and do these races in Europe, he's he's gonna just blow up. Like he's. That oh man, big. I I really I really honestly think that he could. Um, make a world's final now from what i've seen like you know his lap speed is is next level hey and he's like he's got a really good package you know this whole his whole program's working really good now so um you know he's pretty dedicated to the hobby and he's doing lots of practice lots of training um it's just yeah with the covid stuff you know things are a bit restrictive on where we can travel at the moment so hopefully um, once mm-hmm. once that sort of relaxes we can get back to racing full time yeah because then i always forget how big australia is and i was talking to you yesterday and i was like yeah i, w- I would like to see aaron our guy get over the thylacine sorry mullet man he won this congratulations aaron you did well this weekend winning and of course to uh Braden as well for bumping up they're on the west coast correct yeah that's Australia. right yeah so it's like a six hour flight that's, um, a, that's so, incredible yeah it's pretty crazy i know it's so far it's a long flight um but yeah it definitely seems like on your side it's it's where mcbride is and all that stuff so wherever i think wherever mcbride's gonna be and that level is gonna be it's gonna be the higher level because like aaron is probably the fastest guy on the west coast so it's yeah. hard to to push yourself and um, yeah you're real i mean you're as fast as the people you race against mm-hmm. you know and that's why it's so important for for the likes of you know alex benazic to to get out and do some some racing um like we're all booked in um to to go to the philippine masters um just before covid struck and then unfortunately that got cancelled so you know mm-hmm. that was going to be his sort of first big international race and um you know there was going to be quite a few Europeans and stuff going as well, so it's it's you know it's a bit of a shame that that's what's happened, but here we are. Yeah, you know, I didn't the Circle of Verde track. I was looking at it on the latest driven the driven documents docu series, and you really get to see how great that track is and how Supercross esque it is. It's a beautiful like even with the grass and the infields, I love it. It's beautiful. I was telling you yesterday because you're showing me pictures of your local track. We have to tarp on the inside, and I love that. I love when people do that. That's one of the things yeah. I like about permanent tracks. Yeah. Is that track still around, or did they move it? I wasn't sure. I was told they had to move it, or did they? Yeah, so that was the going to be the last event uh, for for that facility. Um, so Edward CEO's had to move it to a, another location now. So 
he's currently in the process of um, yeah constructing and building a new facility that's going to be in a more permanent longer term place oh, but it's still in Manila correct yeah still in Manila um, I think still relatively close to um, Circular Verde okay yeah so let's back to you how long have you been into RC Oh man, I I got into RC when I was fourteen years old. Uh, How'd that happen? Well, I actually picked up a magazine, um, so I guess you know that's why mm-hmm. uh, the the recent blog that I that I wrote was about magazines and how important they were um, for for people getting into the hobby back in you know sort of my day, I suppose. Um, so I yeah, picked up a, a magazine and, and saw, you know, at the back of the magazine, there was this racing section. Um, and this was just a whole dedicated section. This is an Australian RC magazine, by the way. So magazine called Racing Lines and, um, yeah, it covered all, all racing throughout Australia and Asia. Um, and there was a big section at the back about, um, yeah, all the, all the racing going on in Australia and had some information about, um, local clubs um, had this big list of tracks um, you know that were available for people to go to and some contact information um, and then yeah so I've found out the uh, the president of a club um, and the closest track to me was like two hours drive because I actually grew up on a farm um, a big property which is about two hours from the city where I live now um, and so you know there's quite a a hike and managed to sort of convince my parents to drive me down one weekend um so i had to do a lot of chores that weekend to to get get them to drive me down but um managed to finally go down and see the track and and see all the cars and get some advice around what to get and i was hooked from the yeah the moment that i saw a race mate it was pretty pretty awesome what was your first car uh, i was a hbi nitro rush which was like a tool drive gas truck mm-hmm. i remember so, this yeah yeah it was what type know, of farm did you did your parents have sorry i just heard you say that so i just wanted curious oh uh, it it was actually like a tree plantation farm so okay they, yeah they have um hardwood trees for like electricity power poles oh okay yeah whatever i would never would even thought that would exist but i guess yeah. it has to doesn't it yeah that's right so you got a nitro rush uh when did things start getting a little bit more serious for you with rc well i guess um you know i stayed just doing club racing for a couple of years until i got my license um so uh, once i turned 17 uh, i could get my own car my own car and and drive to the track myself um because i live so far away it was pretty hard to uh, to get there really based just on my parents all the time so um pretty much um yeah once i turned 17 then i started um being able to sort of save a bit of money started um refing soccer games actually to to pay my way to be able to afford to buy a car I was getting like 50 bucks a game to to ref um sort of the a group of soccer and um from there could yeah just did lots and lots of refing games and saved up a lot of money and finally could buy you know some some good quality gear and and then go to a to state championships um once i started going to state championships like my my first um national title i made the made the final and um that was the 
the point where um, I got introduced to the owner of um, the Racing Lines magazine. And um, from there, you know, he he started to offer me some support, um, mainly for writing articles um, in the magazine, um, a lot of sort of like testing product articles, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, from there, he started providing, um, you know, accommodation and and transport, so flights and and travel arrangements to be able to get me to a lot more races. Sweet. So you was like 17, 18, <clears throat> the owner of Racing Lines. Who was, what was his name? Uh, was Dave Smith, his name was. Absolute. Okay. Um, great guy. Really, really good for the hobby. He did, and uh, you know, I wasn't the only person who did this sort of um, support for, you know, he did it for a lot, a lot of sort of up and coming young people um, that needed support really. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What did you think when he first mentioned to you about writing articles? Had you done it, done that before? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I was pretty new to the whole thing. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of an eye opener, but like he, you know, he provided a lot of support and guidance and how to write articles appropriately and, and would critique a lot of my work, I guess, early on, um, until, you know, we're sort of producing, you know, pretty good articles from the get go without him sort of needing to do much input. Um, and then mainly most of the articles that I was writing were really just race report articles. So, um, like he would fly me to, to a race and, um, and then, um, like he'd give me a camera, um, and, you know, I'd have to take lots of photos and, and get some, you know, a big article together and, and send that through to him. And um, that's pretty much, you know, filled up a lot of the, the racing section um, at the back of his magazine. How long, what was your deadline on, on things like that? Uh, well, it varied just depending on when his issues um, were going to be released. But, you know, typically, like his expectation was, you know, a week after the event, you really needed to have everything together. And, and you know, like when you went to a race meet, like you, you would take thousands of photos, you know, because you just didn't know what was going to be good or, um, you know, if they were in focus or not. Oh, you had to go to all not. of those. Yeah. So, you know. You think one week is is quite a long time, but once you you know he's like you got to select you know ten photos out of a couple of thousand photos. You you got a a lot of photos to go through, right? So um, was this pre digital time, or was this during uh, film? No, it was digital. It was digital okay. when I was doing it. So yeah, yeah, that definitely. Stephen Best easier. said the same thing actually. Uh, he was telling me if did you listen? You listen to the best. Uh, yeah, I believe. yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that sounded like it was a hard way of doing it. <laughs> I know. Oh man, he was. Bess is pretty good. He he done that for a long time, and um, he's been there and done that. And I enjoyed his work as well. Um, so just going through pictures, doing the and was you racing at the same time? And you went yeah, to these races? Yeah, that's right, racing as well. I mean, he came along to quite a few of them as well. So like, it, if it was a major race, um, he would come along and. And he would take most of the photos, um, so it was really just up to me to write the article at the end of the, the race meet. Um, but yeah, man, like it was so much opportunity. Like you know, we flew to South Africa twice. You know, that was really that's a fourteen-hour flight from Australia, right? What did you um, guys cover there? 
Um, it was it was the African Challenge or African Cup. Really? Yeah. So a really really cool track in Pretoria. Uh, great bunch of guys over there, and um, yeah, you know, we went to the went to the race, and and then afterwards, you know, the the track owner took us on like a safari and everything afterwards. You know, it's it's all these sort of things that you think, you know, I've I've done all this stuff, and it's all just because of RC. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I know it's amazing, isn't it? I was telling you my stories uh, all through RC, connected through RC. But it's even amazing you guys were covering stuff in South Africa. Like today, unless it was a world, oh, yeah. nobody would even go there. Yeah, and it, and it's crazy. I mean, some of the tracks they have there, they're really, really high standard. Hey, like there's quite a good scene there, but you just wouldn't even wouldn't mm-hmm. even know about it, right? Because it just there just isn't the coverage anymore, which is you know the sh- such a shame. It is. It is. It is. Because I we were going to talk about magazines and coverage and organizations and all that stuff a lot in this this interview so let's chat really so you're working for racing lines is this your full-time job now or is it just covering your rc bills yeah so i'm actually um i was at university at the time so i was studying my bachelor of engineering degree um and racing um and and the only way that i could afford to do racing was because of the support that i got from the magazine so I guess you could say that yeah, I was working for them, but like they didn't pay me. They they sponsored me um, in mm-hmm. travel and and getting to these events, which I love to do. So you know, it was it was worth a lot more than than getting an income. How was your racing career going at this time? Was you doing well? Um, yeah, I mean, I, at that point in time, I had a factory deal um, with Hong Nor Jammin. Um, oh yeah, you was a Jammin dude. Yeah, so that was me back Sweet. in the day, um, and so yeah, I had I had a few deals and a bit of support um, from like Axe Rossi. Um, they're sort of not yes. running these days, but um, yeah, I had I had some support. I mean, sort of, we had we had pretty good results. Um, I think the best result that I had with them was probably third at our Femke Championship. So um, that's that no, was, that's not. That's not not an easy task. We're talking about Femka's a big organization. Lots of fast guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there was there was some good drivers back then. You know, it was a it was a shame like um, to to not get the win um, at that race. Um, I'd actually gotten in the lead and um, and then had a flame out and and that was that was the end of the the chance to win that one. But um, yeah, now that there's all these young guys, it's um, it's pretty hard to to get to the pointy end of the the competition. You're more like a mentor now. You want to say? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, probably I'd like to think that I mentored Alex Benazic a bit. You know, like he's yeah. he's really he was really come a long way in the last sort of you know three to four years. Um, and you know he's really all just been racing at my club. You know, so I've seen him. You know, from the beginning to where he is now, it's pretty pretty awesome to see. I'm telling you, man. I've I've heard this Bernard Zach's name. I'm just, I know I'm butchering it, but his yeah. name comes up from every Australian that I talk to. So I know he's super special. And I watched him race. Um, the race that Aaron did here on the um, East Coast last yeah. year was it last year? Yeah. yeah. Ray Monday had some video, and I watched both of them race. Man, he's he's definitely talented. Oh yeah. And um, sweet. It's just a. It's like a. It's 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 just 
Like Australia just puts out these these fast guys like Kyle McBride. Um, who was fast in your day when you was when you was young and racing? Who was the hot guy? Uh, well, there was a That's guy called Wayne game. Walker. Who was the fast guy. Um, he's not not racing anymore, but he actually won um, a few Femke championships in front of um, Atushihara. So mm. he was he was really fast. Um, so yeah, we've definitely had had a, a, quite a few fast drivers in australia um but you know just whether you you know because we typically still just race within asia um probably don't get the the exposure than you know what you would typically get if you go and race in europe or or america i suppose I, that's the issue because we we were looking overlooking another fast race but he doesn't race anymore he retired last year or this year aaron stringer man he was fast too what happened to him? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I think Alex Benazic probably played um, a part in that retirement because, you know, Aaron went so close to beating Kyle so many times, but Kyle's consistency kept winning at the end of the day, right? So Aaron put in so much work and tried so hard. Um, and, you know, he credit to him, like he really put in the work. Um, he got so close, but... Um, he just couldn't get the the win against Kyle. You know, Kyle was just too consistent at the end of the day. Um, and then Alex came along, and and then Alex um, started beating Aaron. So um, I f- I think he felt at the end of the day that you know like he's put all this work in, and and now you know he's he's not going to be fighting for the win anymore. He's probably going to be fighting for third. Um, and and maybe you know he just thought well, I've put in all this effort so far and i haven't got the win so you know maybe it's just all too hard i don't know it's a shame how old is he like 23 24 uh probably about 25 now i think okay so he's he's probably at that time where he's like am i gonna chase this some more some more and just make it by or am i gonna go out and get a real job and make real money now yeah i think there's a there's a fair bit of that too but like man like i've never seen anyone like he he must have been burning more rubber than any of the factory drivers in in the states like he was just running so many laps every week um like and you know credit to him like he made a world's final man like yep you know he he was fast um and i still really think if if he kept at it he would have he would have really done well um but here we are so who knows? He might he might just come back, but we we will see. Maybe you know once you get a little taste of real life and doing yeah. things, doing other things on your weekends like RC racing, kind of goes on the back back burner, especially if it's a, if it isn't your job. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's talk more about racing lines. So, racing lines was an RC magazine covering uh, racing throughout Asia and Australia. Right? How long was that around for? Oh, I mean, it it really started as quite a small magazine. Um, I, I would say the magazine was probably around for a good fifteen years, um, quite a quite a long time. And and Dave Smith really covered um, just the racing side of things before the magazine even kicked off. Um, so yeah, the magazine was running for quite a long time. Um, but then yeah, obviously with the the shift in in media with Facebook and and internet and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think really the funding slowly um, 
dwindled away um, to keep the magazine afloat. It's a shame, man. It's it's the story of all the magazines, pretty much, it, unless your name Car Action, which I still right. think is Iran. Okay. And like then we have digital magazines like Velocity and all that stuff. But yeah, man, it's just it, even I'm I'm reading rereading your blog here, the evolution of RC industry, which will be up uh, on your personal Facebook page as well as the NNRC website. And it just clicked so much when you said this. Like, um, we got yeah. talking about, you know, there's no cover. We've mentioned it on the podcast a few times, and um, we, well, we it's it's just there just isn't any coverage. Uh, like we what, like what we want to see. Yes, live RC goes, and I believe RC Racing TV when they go do an event, it's ex- exceptional as well. Yeah, um, they do the pit walks and all that type of stuff. <clears throat> but they go for crew, and you have to pay for that whole crew to go there, so it's not cheap. So right. it's, it, you know, as yeah, streaming's great. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was thinking about this last night. And I remember when I first uh, saw my first stream it was 2008 Worlds from Charlotte, RC Racing TV. I mean, live RC, sorry. And I thought this is the greatest thing ever. You know, I was so excited for it. It's good. Um, it's, been a, it's been a stable of what we guys know. Now we can, if there isn't a race, we can pretty much watch it. But we still kind of miss the the pit walks the the stories that come from behind where if, we're, if there was somebody not just taking pictures you get what i'm saying yeah not just going around and taking pictures going around getting in talking to these guys getting the dirt getting the rumors talking to different people on different days we we are lacking that at these races nowadays that's yeah a, i mean <clears throat> i think when you really watched phil's walk around videos um whenever he sort of pulled up a driver, you know, they, they really stopped what they were doing and they were like, oh, I don't know what this guy's going to ask me, you know, because, you know, <laughs> he could ask them anything. And, you know, like, why didn't you TQ that run, right? And, th- yeah. like, they're the sort of questions that, you know, unfortunately the manufacturers are not really going to ask it in a way that, you know, it needs to put them on the spot and go, well, I think you need to elaborate a bit further on why you didn't TQ in that run because, you know, I've seen you do it before and, you know, you you really stuffed up that run, right? And putting them mm-hmm. on the spot and getting them to really, you know, tr- show their true self rather than just the the generic, you know, how was the car? The car was good. How were the tires? The tires are really good. Uh, yeah, the body shell's awesome, right? Like, you. There's only so many times that you can hear that same thing over and over again, and then people are just going to tune out, man. Like they they need to they need to see the real the real truth behind what's going on, and and it's when you know they have someone going around like Phil did, and and put them on the spot and ask the the difficult questions sometimes, right? Yeah, um, I I think that's one of the things I've been struggling with live as well. Yeah. I mean, I can do it when I'm when I'm recording. I've been getting, I get a little nervous live sometimes as well, but I'm getting over that. And um, it's like, you got to get in there and be like in their face sometimes. I know like there's a time and a place for that as well. Yeah. Like not exactly after they just blew out after right. a race. Sure. Give them a few minutes. But yeah, it's, Phil was just exceptional, man. I mean, Neo Buggy just kind of, when Neo Buggy came along, we had never seen anything like that, number one. And the website was awesome. And then, you know, it, I, I, I'm trying to remember it had blogs. It had different, you know, different people writing for it. I mean, Best wrote for him at one point. 
Yeah. And then, you know, Phil was really into RC. So he was just traveling and, and taking pictures. Like he went and just rocked up and showed up with his stuff, took pictures. He might've had somebody helping him out. Maybe if Control or RC Racing TV was there, they would help him out as well. But we haven't had anybody <clears throat> do that since Phil. And it's, it's desperately missed in RC. I've had a few yeah, people I ask mean, me to do I, it. I agree. But. I mean, the, the the manufacturers are trying to do it, but mm -hmm. uh, it's biased. You know, it's just too biased. It, it it's not really delivering the content that's interesting, um, in my opinion. I mean, credit. You know, they're trying, but um, you know, it's also up in their power to to go. Okay, well, put our hand up and go. You know, for the long term sustainability of of media coverage that's interesting and entertaining, then we're really going to need to get together as all the manufacturers and, and say, let's put our money into a one pool location for media and, and get them to, to go around and cover events. And, you know, that's what magazines were before, right? Like racing lines was getting income from all these different manufacturers. Um, and the expectation was, that they would do race coverage, but also review the the latest kits and provide um, kit reviews and and write articles on that sort of thing. Um, where that where that advertising revenue's gone now, I'm I'm not too sure. I don't. I find it very confusing too because I he I've heard some of the numbers that these got these these companies paid, and these are smaller companies. Back in the the peak magazine days and i know things were probably a little bit different there i would i would yeah. beg to say there were probably more people racing rc cars back then um but if we're so all the hobbies so great and the industry so great right now and we don't mm. need you know why where is the i never even thought where are where are these marketing funds gone are they they aren't going into marketing that's for right. sure because we're not we're not doing anything to push our you know the manufacturers as a whole aren't doing anything to to draw new people into rc we're not getting that hundreds and hundreds of or thousands of people into rc what are they doing with the money are they just well, making I mean, more money there's a lot there's a lot more you know sponsored professional drivers these that's days. true too you know what i mean like 10 years ago you know there was there was probably one or two well really one for per manufacturer i would have said that was mm -hmm. like maybe fully professional um, there seems to be a lot more of that now. So whether that advertising has gone into to paying drivers, maybe uh, that's only speculation, but that could be the case. Well, I, I, I think Jason Snyder said it right on on this podcast. Uh, the the manufacturers just kind of realized that it was more beneficial and cheaper for them to pay. I think when the magazines were were doing the big article you know the big advertising and stuff like that the <clears throat> the manufacturers figured out okay we'll just pay this driver pay him a commit like a, a contingency and we still get our product in the in the magazine because he's going to be up there wearing the shirts right. and doing all this stuff or how many yeah. times he got mentioned in that article he got uh, 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 some money for each time his name or whatever was mentioned yeah and that's kind of when this this the whole it swung that way. And then of course, social media sped everything up uh, and that became popular. And, <clears throat> but I mean, at the end of the day, we're not, it's good. Like you said, yes. Okay. They save money, but it's, 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 
unbiased like oh yeah this car is so great this car is good this is this product so good like nobody wants to say anything bad about anything and i'm been guilty of that myself too you know yeah. i don't want to say anything bad about it but we kind of need that back man we need that we need that we need it we need to and that's one of the goals why i started the the podcast is because i wanted to cover the things that i wanted to know about that the average person didn't know like when i was coming up i didn't know how much these guys roughly made in a salary which i don't think should even be a hidden thing i think it's like anything in sports like yeah this guy makes a hundred thousand dollars a year that's what he makes you know yeah. that's all a, for me that's all a part of the fun because we know what these top stars are making in football and 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 soccer and and, and crick well people i i don't follow cricket that much but i still like it well we're missing all of this like all of this is f like to me is exciting as an as a as an rc fan as a fan of these guys that race we're missing all of this how do we fix this man well i mean i think a lot of it's it's got to come down to the the drivers as well right so you know you've got all these professional drivers but you know what's the the core responsibility of their job i mean i think if you if you asked a lot of professional drivers it's just to win races right and that's what they I, would say i'm yeah. here to win I, I and sure that's that's a fair portion of it but you know the other side of the coin is that they're there to sell cars as well right so there's so much more i think professional drivers could be doing like you think about mm -hmm. how many hours of work i do when i go away to work right so i go and do you know a 70 hour week or whatever up at work and i come back and you know we still work on a track and build a track and run clubs and and you know promote rc you know what are the professional drivers doing in their 70 hours when they're not at the track you know like they could be writing good setup advice sheets you know the details every component of the car and what what change it does and like if if you were to go on for instance now and you wanted to go and buy a a component whether it be a option part or something and there's basically no description around what the part does and what what change or characteristic it does on the car so how are you trying to sell the the part when you you don't even you're not even telling the consumer you know this actually improves the car on high speed if you're going to high speed track you got to buy this part right like there there's so many more things that they could be doing to help um i guess make it easier for the average racer um to improve their car rather than just focusing on on their their own car and winning races you know that should be that should only be 50 percent of the time and the other 50 percent should be actively trying to to sell their car by having really good content um i, I think that's pretty important who in your opinion is killing it on content and if you was a manufacturer right now who would you hire as a, a pro driver or who would be your two your two driver team Oh, I mean, look, Runner Fox doing a lot, and and Drake's doing a lot. Um, mm -hmm. um, but you know, they're probably the two standouts that are that are making videos and 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 showing. And Spencer too. Spencer's doing a good yeah, job. Spencer's doing yeah. a good job. Um, but you know, I still think I still think they could be doing more. I'm not saying that they're doing a bad job. I just think right. they could be doing more. You know it's like when COVID started it's like everybody and their mom was doing stuff you know yeah. what i mean yeah and that fizzled out yeah quick like because it's not easy to do this like everybody got 
all these guys, they got, they done videos, they got intro videos done. Some got criticized, you know, and then it just kind of fizzled out. I wish we would see more of them doing stuff like that. Um, oh, I mean, they've got so much knowledge in their head, right? Yeah. You know, it's, that's what everyone wants to get a hold of is, is, mm-hmm. you know, one that just got sheer amazing natural talent, you know, and no matter how good of a car setup I've got, I'm never going to beat him. But, you know, if, if you can make your car better because you're learning something, like every time I go away, you know, I went to the Philippines and, and you know, David did show me a few things on how to build my shocks the right way and, and you know, a few, few little tricks that he does on the car and it made a difference. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's just, it's getting that out there to for everyone to see um you know and he he is doing that with his videos but um there's still there's still lots of other little things that could be done i think yeah david's really good um he like he takes his personal when he goes on a bigger race he takes his personal photographer videographer videographer which i think is great he's been building his brand he was the first racer i saw that actually done like uh, uh a logo for his name which i thought was awesome I said, yeah. yeah that's badass yeah, and cool. You know, I messaged David and I'd be like, hey, um, can you come on the podcast this week? He'd be like, yeah, just give me a time. Like he'd, he'll just say, look, if I'm busy, I'm busy. But after this, I can do it. And I appreciate that. You yeah. know, he doesn't ghost me. He doesn't, he, he gets it. Like he takes any chance he can to put himself and his company's products in a positive light. And at the track, he's, he's good too. Like he's always, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite, I, if not my favorite racer. It's him and I like Cav too. But I like his tenacity and his professionalism and the way he attacks things. And I like his dad. And I think he has a lot more world championships in him. So let's go Viking. How do we get funding from these manufacturers? How are we going to get back to having a fill or somebody doing Is it going to just, because you can't afford to send, uh, uh, like, okay, like I get it. Live RC costs money. RC Racing TV costs money. It's a big crew. Phil was just one one or two people, maybe. I know Christopher does a lot of the coverage, like um, Chris from Circus RC. He does an amazing job. Photography, all that type of stuff. Really good. Yeah. But still just kind of missing. We need that guy to go around and talk shit to the... Not talk shit, but just go around and ask those hard questions. So, I don't yeah, know. I mean, the, the I manufacturers do need to see the value in it, mate. You know what I mean? And, th- and that's what that's what's so important i think um when they see that the value is there then that they'll they'll definitely invest in it so it's just making sure that whatever the content is there it's bringing bringing um an easy avenue for for new consumers to be able to to access you know information around the products that they would potentially be be wanting to buy yeah i've had a few times people have asked me while I'm at a race to take video and it'd be cool if I had somebody follow me around. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to wait. I don't know what race I'm going to. Probably DNC. I was telling you that now. It looks like I'm not going to travel to next year. So we shall see. It'll be a whole year off. I hope so, man. I think all of this is all a part of making what we do really cool. And speaking of DNC, I was just thinking about this here. If the COVID regulations for Europe and America gets better where Europe can fly to America and vice versa. I think we're going to have the most stacked DNC next year. If it happens, if things work out and it happens, we're going to have people from all over the world. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think everyone is, is itching to get back racing again and, and really 
like they've probably all been testing at home privately you know and they they want to see how they stack up and you know i really i really do hope that um you know you get to to fill the void of neobugger i've no doubt that you can do that um because it's really what's missing and and i really hope the the manufacturers get behind you you know and whether you get your feelers out and you know they can see the content that's been put out so far with the podcast you know the passion's there um and all the racers want to see see that sort of um information again like it was done before and um yeah we'll see how how you go we also have a group of racers that just started racing that never got to see that stuff yeah absolutely that's it's it's been a while it's been a while so it's like having an antenna on your rc car on your rc radio people don't even know what that is anymore so asia what okay we want to talk about because i know you love racing in asia yeah uh and i want to get over there myself and do some racing talk to ben you know i have uh i talked a lot of the asian uh like you know we have the guys in malaysia um I've talked to George Coleman a little bit. I need to get him on this podcast, talk a little bit about Malaysia racing. Yeah. Let's talk about racing in Asia because you love it. Oh, man. I mean, you get a little bit spoiled. I'm not going to lie because the the tracks are just, they're just perfect, mate. I mean, um, a prime example uh, is the Synetic track in Surabaya, Indonesia, right? So, you know, it's a bit of a trek to get there. Like, you from from australia you got to fly to singapore um which is about eight and a half nine hours and then you've got to get on another plane and fly from singapore into surabaya um but it's it's so worth it man because like the track is just phenomenal right like it's the most 3d insane track like you know you can see you can see on the videos and and photos like how 3d it is but it's not until you be there in person that you know you just the sheer size of it right like it's just phenomenal um it's like you cannot relax on that track at all it's jump after jump oh you can't relax you can't relax right it's it's just it's crazy but everything is is really is so smooth right so you know from what the owners of the track said right like they spent like twenty five thousand us building this track over like three months and they used like i don't know 40 locals um to build it and majority of it was built by hand right so you know you, you think of all these sort of tracks that you usually race on and it's been built with a bobcat so you know you can't build a double uh, really tight or you can't you can't build a a certain section in a way because you got to fit a machine in there to be able to construct it right but if you're just building it by hand like sky's the limit man like they have like all these off camber or really cambered back sections that are you know probably i don't know 15 20 percent or something right you're not getting a, a bobcat on the side of that and like this section is probably you know six or seven meters high um so you know all these sort of um sections that you you would really struggle to do with machines you can do by by hand and and man they've done something that's probably you know i'm never going to be able to race on something like that again like that that track everyone it's the dream of every driver i think to to go there and race um but unfortunately they're not really hosting any major international races um anymore 
But the track is it still around or? Uh, I believe it's it? I believe it's still there, but um, the the land has been sold. So um, yeah, there's going to be some development put in there. So at some point, uh, that masterpiece is going to be bulldozed, and there'll be a shopping center there or something. Ah, oh, that's shitty. Yeah, that's too bad. It's, it's pretty sad. If if anybody wants to see a video of this, there is one from I think man many years ago with Savoya. Yeah. He's there, and that's I think one of the best videos I've seen from this track. So it's it's definitely it's worth worth it because it's it's a, it's a piece of dark art that um, we're gonna lose unfortunately. And it was a great yeah, race. And and there seems to be you know a fair few places unfortunately that are you know disappearing um, in Asia, right? Like I'd been to to buggy party for in Thailand, which was the the world's track. Um, you know, and I'd raced there for probably four or five years before the world's, um, racing lines had sent me there for, for a number of races. I, I even raced Greg Deganey there one, one year. You got the, you raced the Guinea? Yeah. Yeah. I think he talks about that all the time. Yeah. That was an experience. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, but anything with Greg is an experience. Yeah. Like that track, man, that, like that guy as well. Like he, he built some crazy tracks, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he made this sort of like coliseum with putting all the containers around the track and um, super, super 3D tracks again, right? Like it was so much elevation. And, and I guess the one thing that you typically do see in Asia is a treated track. Like nearly every time I go to Asia, I'm, I'm racing on like a molasses track, uh, sugar track. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's not real off-road, but, you know, we can have such good racing on it, right? Like it's, it's so consistent. You go there and you don't need to, to take lots of different tires and compounds because, you know, typically in Asia, you're just running like an X2 or S2. Um, so you, you know, like if I went to Synetic, I probably only needed three, four sets of tires, um. And, and that was it, right? Because I knew what surface I was running on. Um, and and it, was as, it was as simple as that. Um, and you could... You How's know, you, tire wear on those tracks? Uh, I mean, you probably... The thing is, like with molasses, like the more you put it down, the less wear you end up getting, right? So the, the track sort of gets a little bit slick. Um, it's when it's when it's like if you have a like a rain or something... Um, and it washes a bit of the molasses away and then the, the surface ends up being a bit dry and then the, the tire wear goes through the roof. Um, mm. But when it's when it's prepped properly for a major race in, in in Asia, you know, you probably get two hours out of a set of X2 Fugitive or something like that. Oh, you can't beat that with a stick. Yeah, yeah. So you, there's another track being opened as well, right? In Indonesia? Yeah, so, I mean, with Surabaya and Synetic Track, shutting down um you know really at the moment um you know we've got maybe one major track in malaysia that that george coleman's been um a part of um getting back running again um we've we've really got um obviously the main track in the philippines so um edward's working on that um and then now we've got adrian wikisano um, in Indonesia, who's who's constructing um, with the same track builders, I believe, from the Synetic 
track um, a new facility in Jakarta. So be a bit easier to fly into. Um, and yeah, he's, it looks like he's putting in a lot of work for that, you know, facility and it's going to be, it's going to be pretty dialed. That's awesome, man. And not only that, uh, I've heard from you, from Ben Panek and other guys that have been to Asia to race. The, the organization is great there. The hospitality, hospitality is awesome. And it's just a fun event like they the the people that own these tracks they go out of their way to make sure you guys have fun and it's done punctured like the race is over and done with like there's no no really long days because they don't have big high entry counts and yeah let's talk yeah. a little bit about that the atmosphere the ambience the 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 organization ah uh, i mean for these guys it's it's about putting on a show right like it's you know they they really want to make sure as hosts that they're putting on the best experience um, for whoever's attending. Um, and I think you can really see that pretty much for the moment that you you fly in, right? Like they've organized transportation from the airport. They've organized your hotel. Um, you know, they'll they'll pick you up and, and take you out to dinner and, and introduce you to all their local people and friends um, that you know, a part of their club or, or track that they, they run. And, um, the whole time that you're there, you know, they're, they're there looking after you, making sure that you're having um, a good time and, and putting on a great show. Um, and, and further on from that, really, you know, the, the key for all these races in Asia is that it's just one class is there's no, um, sportsman, there's no truggy. It's just eight scale buggy. That's it. Like there's no, there's no other classes, just one class. Everyone's in the same pool, um, and and a lot of times with the with the track, it's a you know the Thursday is a is an open practice, so you're going and you're running laps pretty much all all day on a Thursday, right? So you know for for to fly out of Australia, you know you're looking at probably thirteen hundred bucks as a minimum to fly to Asia um, return. So it's not it's not cheap to fly out of Australia, no matter where you're going, really. Um, but you know, you spend 1300 bucks to get over there and, and you're not, you're not paying for a hire car. Um, the hotel's pretty cheap. Um, and, and you're getting a great track and facility to race on. Um, and, and that's the draw card really. Um, so like I compare it to, to flying. So one year I flew to the DNC and I did the DNC. I mean, it was something that I, I've always wanted to do, um, but you know I was pretty let down because you know you don't really see in the videos like how long you just have to sit around in the pits. You're like you're mm -hmm. never you're never racing, man. You never you're like you're looking at this track that's awesome. Like you know Joey builds some killer tracks, but man, you don't get to run on it. You know. You know <clears throat> you're not alone with that. A lot of people take their DNC cherry and they're so like they're so excited to be there. And don't get me wrong. I think it's great. I like getting there. I like seeing the people that I haven't seen since last year. I like seeing the pro guys race because they go right at it. Yeah. But I am glad I don't race that race. So glad. Oh, yeah. It, it was it was pretty painful. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Which yeah. year did you go? Oh, man. It must have been like 2010, I want to say. Okay, so you went, well, it was a while ago, yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. And was like it in the, Arizona? The whole time or? before, yeah, it was in Arizona. Like the whole okay. time before, Ben's like, 
dude, what are you going to that race for? It's going to be shit. And, and I'm like, no, nah, man, I've got to go. It's going to be cool. Bucket list. And then I'm just like, oh, man, that was probably one of the worst races I've ever been to. Really? Wow. Who, who went with you? Was it just you? No, I just went, I just went solo, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, think, I think when people enjoy DNC, is they have to go for the weekend before that as well. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I did that. I went, I, and okay. that was the part of the trip that I really enjoyed. So, like, I, you know, I hit Thunder Alley and, yeah, and the, and the Proline track, and um, yeah, it was really, really fun going to those sort of tracks and facilities. And, and if I ever went back, like, that's all, all I'd do. I think I'd try and target like a smaller race at at one of those sort of tracks. I think it'd mm-hmm. be so much more fun. Yeah, I, I enjoy that time before the race at uh, DNC going that weekend, testing wherever we go, uh, getting ready. But yeah, it's a, yeah, I know people say it's, it's, it's a nitro challenge, not the nitro easy. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about quality track time, man. That's why yeah. you have to run three classes and do this. And then if it rains, it, uh, well, I just don't know why they don't change the schedule up a bit. You know what I mean? Like, like why don't, like if they've got the pros there, like why don't they just have them all run, their whole series in the day, right? Like, just get it over. Yeah, not at then, two o'clock in the morning when you want to see them run truggy, you know? Yeah, like you can have the sports. Like everyone else has got to can have the weekend off, so that's easy, right? So have the pros run on a Monday or something, and they can just run yeah. the, the program through all you know, with back to back to back, and you know, or just do it. Um, PMB does it. PMB has it where the pros usually do their mains. Like the pro nitro main is usually around one or two in the afternoon on Sunday. Yeah. So everybody that's there, they can see it and then they can, like, if you ain't got a race no more, you can go home. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe we have to do that. Um, I get it. It's nice having it at, like, I like, I like the last race being on Sunday because it's not, the last nitro buggy final because mm. it isn't that late because they do split it up i don't was you when you was there did they do truggies on the saturday yeah they alternated then, it yeah okay yeah yeah um i love this race I, I i love the 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 ambience and everything that goes with it and the racing that happens between the pro guys but i won't race it but i think everybody should go to it to see yeah. it yeah I, I mean you look at you know neo buggy race you know when that was running though right like they just capped the numbers and mm-hmm. like that's that's what just needs to happen really oh I, mean, I agree you know that was that was the best run race that i've seen like it was so well organized and it just ran like clockwork and and they just limited the the numbers and they still had the pros and and more importantly they still had all of the regular people that are actually paying to be there right and they're the people that you don't want to piss off and you want them to keep coming back. And um, I'm just amazed that people keep going back to the DNC because I didn't have a good time. <laughs> well, I think if they went, they don't, I think if people go to other races that are different, if they don't go to them, they don't know any better. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe, maybe that's the case. Like I, <laughs> I've just been to all these awesome races in Asia and you just get so much track time and, and it's such a good time. And, you, you know, you race during the day and then you go out and, you know, you drink and go and have dinner with some friends and stuff at night. And, you know, I just didn't get any of that. Um, 
Yeah. At DNC not no, not, not at DNC. Track the whole day. Not at DNC, Zach. Never. Yeah. You yeah, have to well, do that while you're at the track. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but it it is this the staple first race of our our year. I would say I call I say Montpellier is because it's the first big race that I watch. Yeah. But man, it it was kind of like capping entries and charging more it's a it's a big thing did you see that poll that our live rc done a few weeks ago yeah I never, rather, saw the, I never saw the result of it though uh, i was like almost 50 50 but right. the way they worded it was kind of weird like it's like people will say oh, like okay let's let's take for example uh rcgp entry was 125 dollars, right yeah oh that's people like fasting bitching that's so expensive or I think oh, Neo that's, is that's like nothing compared to the world, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, the world is like four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that's I ridiculous. Think. And then Neo for their one class, I think is when I was going to go that year, worked out to be one fifty, one sixty, which is, but Neo you get five qualifiers and you got a twenty minute, mi you know, all this type of stuff. You get so much time, so much quality time, not standing in line, waiting to go on a driver's day on time. Oh, and you think about like all these other races right so i, I got to go there with three or four cars right and then to get that sort of track time rather than mm -hmm. just paying more entry fee and just getting the same amount of track time that you would have got across four cars but with one car like you're still going to be out out of it cheaper right yeah tires parts yeah. time all that stuff going into three class three classes is, is hard to run it's expensive man yeah it's madness uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't madness. run three classes no more um it's just people just don't know anybody and that's what we're trying to do man we're trying to show people that they're that's they're just options like you can do things differently you can have less entrance have a better time at a race yeah and i think that, well. i think that's it, definitely the key right you've got to you've got to show another another option and like people are so reluctant to change anything oh, especially in the rc yeah. industry um, <laughs> preaching to the choir her but it, you know if if you do give them a good experience somewhere else they'll be like god what were we doing what were we thinking and i you know it's just like tires really like mm -hmm. how we they, there's got to be a change with tires now um because yeah. like it's just it's out of control and it's like crazy, the way the way we've limited in Australia is we're just trying to control the surface rather than uh, which then controls the tire. So like we're running like a, a vegetable oil surface now. Um, um, I think they do it in in England and in Canada, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's sort of pretty much made like a a constant blue groove around the track, um, and so you know the surface is so consistent and and really now there's there's really a standout tire and everyone's just using the same tire um and the tire wear is really low um and the grip's good and you know there's just so many positives to it um like i, I mean i really enjoy real off-road that's you know don't get me wrong that's where i started mm -hmm. but um you know if we don't do something about controlling the tire game that's out there at the moment then it just turns people away because you know like they just got to spend so much money to try and have that one special oh, yeah. tread pattern and compound to be to be at the front and if they don't have it well they're seconds off the the pace right but if yeah. you if you have a controlled surface like we typically do in asia then 
you know, you know before you go there that it's going to be a molasses track and you're going to be running next to Fugitive, right? So you don't need to go there with a billion different tires and compounds. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I'm just reading your, uh, you said this on your first blog. Uh, you, sa- you said originally when 8Scale first started, there was only three three tires in the pro line range. They were the whole shot, bow tie, and crime fighters, which I agree with you. And these start out in just M2. Now we have seven to eight main tire patterns, which range in five to six compounds. And that's up to potentially 48 combinations for one set. That's, that's insane. Right. It's just mental, man. Insane. I am so on you. Uh, and then you, you went on to say you would believe uh, when you went to Perf, you travel with well over $2,500 in different tires. Yeah, like, man. Like, that's just, I believe you, though. I 100% believe you. And you know what? I think like we were talking about this after the race, right? So I had like all these different tires and like, man, that was a long race, right? So we raced for, I don't know how many days by the end of it, right? Like it was all just blurred into one, but like I probably had, I don't know, 16 or 18 runs or something. And I think I got my tire choice right once. (laughs) Well, that track was, uh, let's talk about that because... That was an intriguing race with the long... Well, I mean, let's go back to... Okay, sorry. I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Yeah. Because you took those tires and then you went to RCGP in Philippines and you paid 60 bucks for tires. Oh, man. Because of the... Um, I'm, telling so you, I'm telling you, dude. Like, that's that's just got to be the way. And, like, it's such a shame that the pros didn't have to do that too, right? Because mm-hmm. I reckon that would have just been so interesting, right? Because the pros were all running around looking for super softs, right? And because they they didn't really have many of them, right? But if mm-hmm. they're and then so some people had them and other people didn't. And now if they're all just like the tire that we had was pretty hard, right? The control tire, but that didn't matter because everyone was on the same tire. Mm-hmm. And so it just took that whole like guesswork out of it. It's just like I don't I don't even need to worry about what tires to run because everyone's just running that same tire. It yeah. it, it just yeah. was it was the best thing. Um, that I've that I've seen in racing for a long time. It was really good. Yeah. You don't have to carry a whole bunch of stuff and spend a whole bunch of money. The tire game, man. Yeah. The tire crew, the tire the tire I call them the tire mafia. Cause they are kind of running RC right now, man. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know it R and D and all that stuff and giving yeah. away product and all these yeah. people on seventy five percent and five thousand a year budgets and all that stuff. That costs all money costs a lot of money but man we can't be spending like no. tires man they're so expensive man so expensive yeah mm-hmm. and if, if we could just have one race where all the pros are on a control tire oh man that would be that'd be pretty cool to see like, well we the 10 skill worlds are like that but yeah. i mean people don't even worry about that it's yeah like, i'm talking eight scale i think but. yeah so oiled surfaces and control surfaces you mentioned that we got talking about your surface that you guys just recently put on you guys yeah. are on the oil route um in canada it's big and obviously i think they use um, canada linseed oil Lin- linseed I believe. yeah 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 I mean, and th- this is all like a biodegradable it's it's like mm-hmm. a food product right so it's not like we're putting crude oil down on the dirt. Like right. this is all before all, people freak out. Yeah, don't don't think that we're out there ruining <laughs> the environment. You know? Like black crude oil yeah, out there. No, this is like old yeah, frying yeah, oil. Yeah, that's right. They feed this to cows, and we we cook our food in it, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. How does this, and it holds up in, because they've been doing it for a while in England, obviously because of the rain, but it holds up with water. What type of maintenance are we looking at on, on this type of surface oh, as a track owner? Mate, like, because in Australia, like we run clubs, right? So the tracks aren't like owned by an individual there. Mm -hmm. They're owned by the government, the council. Um, they pretty much give us the land and, and, and we go from there. Um, and so like over the last couple of years, it's been pretty hard to, to keep a track together. I mean, our climate in Australia is, can be pretty dry at times and it's pretty hot. Um, so, you know, when you're just running natural dirt track, like the track just blows out really quickly and, and it's really hard to keep water up to the surface. Um, so, you know, you're looking at getting a bobcat back like every every couple of months, which is setting you back a fair bit of money. And, and then the club, you know, is financially is going to struggle, right? Because we don't have the population that, say, America has where you could, you know, get 100 people to a club day. Um, so... Um, we started looking at, at vegetable oil. Um, one of the clubs um, in Australia had tried it with great success. And, and man, it has just transformed our club. Like, we literally don't have really any maintenance now. Um, like, it, it'll, it'll rain for a week, and then we come back, and the track is just as we've left it, right? It's, it's like it's just been perfectly rolled, um, and, you know, nothing's broken up. And, you know, the cost of keeping the, the club and facility open is has just dropped substantially. Um, and then, you know, the thing is, like with lots of new people starting out, you know, they want to have a track that's in relatively good condition. Um, and, and now we can provide that um, without actually really having to spend much more money um, and, and put in much work. So the, the facility, every bit of work that you do, um, like you see that, um, in the next week rather than having to start from scratch again with um, what you would normally have to do with the natural dirt. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Can we let out a little bit of your secrets about how to actually apply the oil? Because I know there are some track owners out there listening to this that are going to want to try this. Yeah, so, so what we do is we have like a couple of thousand litre pods on the side of the track. Um, so uh, we contacted like a used oil um, company. So they go around and collect um, all this used vegetable oil from restaurants and that sort of thing. Um, and then typically what they, they do, would they would recycle that um, to for animals um, feed and that sort of thing. But um, they sell it to us for about 30 cents a litre. Um, so yeah, we, we get a, a truck to come out and they pump it into the pods and then we have like a pretty much a transfer pump. Um, so typically a process that we would go through is we'd like water the track down. So there's a bit of a fair bit of moisture in the dirt. Um, because a lot of the times you're trying to like sustain the moisture in the dirt, right? So uh, you don't want the dirt cracking up because a lot of our tracks in Australia are, are made out of clay. So um, if they dry out, they can really expand and crack. And um, yeah, so we typically water water the surface down a fair bit, um, and then we just literally with a transfer pump um, and some ag pipe just pump it straight onto the onto the surface, uh, broom it around so it covers the whole the whole track from lane to lane, um, and then we've actually got like a rubber tie roller um, in the club, so we just we just roll the track. 
um, with the oil on the surface and roll it in. Um, and then, um, yeah, you just get like sort of fines, dry dirt, spread it around and just keep rolling. Um, and then you typically need to leave the track for, for a week or two. Um, but then, you know, that's it really. Like the track is, is pretty much good to go for however long you want to use it for. So when you do do a rebuild, do you, you reapply oil all again as much as before, or is there oh, some leftover? Yeah. So like initially we put quite a lot of, um, oil down. So like when we did, like our, our track is quite big. Um, like we probably put, I don't know, 10 to 15,000 liters down. Right. Um, so it was quite a lot to That's start lot. with. Yeah. But like yeah. we were probably learning a bit about how to apply it. Um, if we did it, did it right. Um, a lot of, it's quite important to have a lot of moisture in the dirt before you put the, mm-hmm. the oil down because we were losing a lot of it. Like it was just sort of like seeping into the surface quite deep. Um, so if you, if you have um, a lot of moisture in the dirt before you put it down, then, you know, you use like way less. Um, but, but now like, because we've got the whole surface of the track treated, um, like we probably could recoat the whole track with i don't know maybe 200 liters um like way way less um but yeah typically like we don't really need to treat the surface now like it's been treated um and it's it's pretty good um it, it'll stay there maybe we'll need to do another another coat um in six months or or a year's time it looks great you were showing me the the, the blue groove and all that stuff yesterday I think um, I think we're gonna start seeing more people in North. But see, this they like to change the track so much in North America. But um, yeah. I think for the more s- permanent tracks, they're gonna start using them a little bit more, using it a little bit more, because it's. I mean, well, like I said, the UK has been doing it for a while, and uh, just more people are getting hip to it, and it it makes for a great surface. How's the uh, <clears throat> How's the traction? Like, obviously, in the groove, it's pretty decent. Does it vary throughout the day, or does it change, or it just stays consistent whether the track is cold or hot, or how does it how does it work out? Um, yeah, like typically in the morning, I'd be I'd be on like an M three slide lock, and then um, in the middle of the day, I'll probably go to an S three, um, just with the temperature change. Um, but as long as the track is is pretty clean then the grip is really, really consistent. And I would say it's probably like a medium to high grip. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons, like we're actually grassing the infield now because, you know, if you get like a fine layer of dust on the surface, then it can be can be quite slippery. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've grassed the infield now and we've had, you know, the club meet that we had on the weekend, the track was just, was super consistent. Like it was the right. whole, the whole line, like you've pretty much got from pipe to pipe um like a blue groove surface mm-hmm. feel um like it, it does feel pretty close when the track's clean it feels pretty close to a natural blue groove all right so the yeah so the turf the grass keeps all that stray dust that's like yeah. where people are tire marshaling and all that's that right. yeah that makes yeah. sense yeah. yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah so basically throughout the day you guys are probably probably blow off the track at a race yeah, I mean, typically, like, each round we'd blow it off. Um, mm-hmm. But I think now that we've got, um, and certainly what we've seen on the weekend, now that we've got the turf on the infield, we're really not having to do anything. Um, so, 
you know, if, when you consider like what we've had to do in the past where, you know, we've, we've watered like, you know, every second run and you've been out there blowing the track and to the point now where you open the gates um, and you don't actually do anything um, and the track is 10 times better than what it was before. Um, it's just, it's just like a game changer really for, for us. And, and like we're, we're seeing our numbers pick back up again in the club and people are wanting to come back and race. So, um, I think there's a lot of positives to it. How long has that club been around for? Oh man. I mean, that's, it's probably been around for about 30 years. I want to say. Oh, that's good, man. I just had a, a recent person ask me to have some more people on who, to ask some questions about clubs because he's going to take over his club, his local club. Um, What do you guys, like say a new person comes there. So your track seems to be friendly for everything. So you can, can you run 10 scale on it at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got like a multiple multiple layer in it. So yeah, like the, Mm -hmm. the, the section at the front is really um, like, it's still designed in a way that it's eight scale, um friendly um but you know you can because they're all tabletops effectively at the front um 10 scales can still run on it um and then you know we've got sort of the bigger sections um doubles and and you know those sort of gap jumps out the back so um you know the eight scales can do the big long track out the back and then dedicated sections in the in the center for 10 scale awesome so how does your club structure work is it a is there a committee or Yeah, committee. how does it work for you guys? Committee, okay. that's right. Are you a part of that? Yeah, part of the committee. Yeah, yeah. All right. I used to be part of committees on tracks. It's it it can be tedious too, but if you guys all work together, it can be a great thing. Yeah, a really good thing. Yeah, that's right. Seems like you guys have a great thing going on. Perth Worlds. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, that, and then we're going to move on and talk about um, organizations. Sure. Uh, in some of your notes uh, that you sent me, you said the Perf Worlds and how the, sur- uh, the surface changed just before the Worlds. Why don't we go into a little bit more detail about that real quick? Yeah, so we we held a, a Femca, like this was when pretty much the, it was first announced that uh, the Perth track was going to, to get the World Championships, right? And uh, Mark Pavidis came over for, for that Femca and, um, you know, for a couple of years... Um, leading up to that, like Perth really had like the most phenomenal clay, natural clay in Australia, right? Like it at a big race, like it was just mega blue groove. And like even Pavitas was like, man, I have never seen clay groove like this. Like, it, you know, it was just the whole track was like black, right? It was just super mega grip. And um, it, it just had the right amount of, content of clay and sand um that just to produce like the perfect natural blue groove um and then leading up to the worlds they they did a rebuild um and brought in some new dirt uh, and it that dirt that they brought in the, the sand content really went through the roof um and you know that's not to their fault like they they needed some more dirt and that's what they brought in um but you know it's such a shame that the worlds was was done with that that dirt that they had at the worlds because you know if if you look back at some of the photos of the track um 
prior to the worlds like the the surface was just phenomenal blue groove um and yeah we didn't really get to see that at the worlds like it was quite a quite a sandy surface and and you know it changed so much um and and you know it really made it quite hard for the drivers to know what to do with tires and and made the racing pretty challenging i think and of course the watering as well was a big thing and just the length of the race period because it was 10 days yeah they did that yeah i mean they did that because they didn't do a warm-up i believe so yeah that's right yeah that was uh that was the idea behind it but god it's just it was just way too long <laughs> yeah and it cost you twenty five hundred dollars in tires yeah. and it was in your home country that's the I thing about I've it but got, it was a six still hour got flight. probably two grand's worth of those tires here and i still haven't used them all so did you fly there or did you drive over with all those tires yeah i flew over like um because i fly all the time for work like i've got really big status so i, I think i could take like three 32 kilo bags so i just took it like one whole bag lucky bastard yeah i had, I I had four I've, kilos dude i know all my flights i get you have to pay for your for your bags we go that's 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 the unicorn budget get the cheapest flight you can and try and get your bags on as free as as you yeah. can but that doesn't work um yeah unfortunately we don't have a worlds this year so no devastating i don't even know what's going to happen next year to be honest i don't think brazil is going to be able to even hold it if they wanted to so yeah i, I shall just see. can't i can't see that happening for a while hey i know um and before we move uh on what is your i wanted to ask you uh when we was talking about asia what's your favorite track country what okay what's your favorite country to visit in asia because you've been to quite a few uh, well, I mean, there's fa favorites for a few different uh, categories, I suppose. I mean, the track in Synetic was phenomenal, right? Like mm -hmm. nothing's going to come close to that, but um, just for the, like the the nightlife and, and the partying and stuff, Thailand was pretty good. Um, lots of stories from, from Thailand. I'm sure. Yeah, it was, I'm it, sure. Was, it was incredible. And, you know, like you'd go there with, you know, like 10 Aussies, right? So it was like, it was just, oh you're going over for a holiday really. And then you get to do RC as well. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the difference I think with, mm -hmm. with Asia is that it's because everyone that's going there is not really a pro. Um, everyone's going there for a holiday. And so it's, uh, it's just about having a good time as well as doing racing, you know, and that's, that's so important. I agree. I 100% agree. All right, let's talk before we, we close up here. Because I think we're going to try and I would, I would love you. I know you're busy, you work. Um, I'd like to get you on the podcast a little bit more. Definitely with JQ. I think we can have a great argument with him at times, even though we agree on a lot of the things. Okay. It'd be good. I think it'd be good to, to get some Australian humor in there. Yeah, we'll see how and, we go. Um, yeah. Call him a C word a few times. Uh <laughs> organizations right now we talk about this a lot too in our conversations um yeah. really right now i would i the only organization i can give proper credit to right now is efra yeah um i know you're at least doing something mm -hmm. yeah. um femka is probably second i would say because these are the two big well raw is the biggest i would say 
but raw is raw. So we're not even going to get into that. Yeah. Because we know what is it. We know what it is with that. Femca Farmar, I'm a part of or was a part of, is basically like all the countries that don't fit into any of these blocks. So it's like all of South America, the mm. Caribbean, places like Israel. I'm looking at the breakdown here that you sent me. Countries per block. So f- uh, Farmar has 16, Femca 13, Europe 30. That's Europe, and Raw 2, which is Canada and USA. Yeah, it's kind of uh, Femca has 13 countries, but how many uh, entries do they get per uh, per country? Well, well, this is the the interesting thing, right? So. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not sure how EFRA break it down. Like if it's a an equal divide. I mean, I I think typically the the way it's done is um, a world championship supposed to be like 180 drivers or something, and then they start with uh, 39 drivers get split out to each block. So each block get the 39 drivers, and then the host country gets um, like the additional amount to make up the 180. Um, so like when you when you look at at EFRA, for instance, you know, you got 39 spots and you've got 30 countries. You know, that doesn't leave too many positions per country, right? Like it's, you're really starting no, to get... No, not at all. You're narrowing that down into a pretty small pool. Um, and then, so, you know, maybe you've got like one or two drivers f- from each country in Europe, which, you know, if you're lucky. Um, and I mean, obviously there's some countries there uh, that you know, may not have a driver to get, you know, wanting to go. And so that gets reallocated out to the other countries and then how that process is done, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I can just probably give a rundown for Femca. So, you know, we get the 39 spots and, and you know, at the moment, Australia gets two guaranteed spots out of that 39, right? So we've we've got two spots out of the 39 and then... You're trying to think, well, okay, well, how how is this two spots um, allocated, right? Like, how did they come up with two positions for Australia? Right? It's obviously, it's it's done based on population, right? So, China, you know, they they get like nine or ten spots um, guaranteed for a World Championships, right? Because they've got such a big population, they get these guaranteed guaranteed spots. Now, how many you, do they get again? Like nine or ten spots. Okay, and they don't fill them out, right? No, they, they they don't actually usually get anyone going from China, right? Oh, okay. But so, but what ends up happening, right? So you think, okay, like most of the people in Asia is not actually a pro driver, right? So we all work. So we need to be able to, you know, plan ahead as to go, all right, you know, I'm going to go to the World Championships next year. But typically, okay, I'm, you know, maybe I'm not in the top two, so... I need to like wait until like two months before the world championships. And then China goes, Oh, we're not going to send anyone. And then the spots get reallocated out again. Um, and then Australia gets some more spots available. Right. So, you know, you don't, you can't like plan your event until mm-hmm. like a couple it's of like months. It's like you're on a waiting list. Yeah. Yeah. So, and but Australia is one of the biggest markets. I think they should have more than two. Yeah. Spots. So like, I guess the, you know, we, we put a proposal through to Femca and it just like fell silent. Uh, but the proposal really was because at the moment, the allocation of those spots is all one is done internally through each country. Right. 
So yeah, they get allocated two spots and then it's up to the country to decide, um, you know, the people that fill those two spots. Then you're like, well, why don't we reallocate how those spots are determined, right? So at the moment, our FEMCA actually means nothing, right? So RAW uses their RAW nationals, which has Canada and America, to determine who gets the spot for the World Championships. While FEMCA at the moment, it actually means means nothing, right? You can finish in the final, right? Like I finished in the every FEMCA final um, that I've been to, right? I finish finished in the top five at FEMCA, and then I can't go to the World Championships because only two people in Australia get get the spots, right? So it's it's you know the proposal that we put through to FEMCA was oh let's let's make FEMCA race mean something so. If you you make a semi-final at a FEMCA Championships, then you get a guaranteed spot to represent FEMCA at the World Championships, right? Because that brings some incentive, one, to make FEMCA race mean something and get the attendance at FEMCA um, larger, but also guaranteeing that the people out of the FEMCA block actually are the best drivers out of FEMCA. Um, you know, like, you know, out of a 15-car final, you know, we probably have, like, maybe two or three Japanese, one one or two Thai, one or two Indonesian, um, maybe Filipino, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest are all Australian, right? So um, it's, it's just really bizarre that, you know, this is a system that was determined, you know, maybe 20 years ago, I don't know. Um, but there's just been no ability to change it, um, even though we try and go down the avenues of like, here's the proposal, um, like this makes sense. Like, make, let's make Femca mean something and get the best drivers from Femca, and then you can do the Femca race, you know, a year before the World Championships. So, you know, you make the semi-final at a Femca, and you already know, okay, I can actually go to the Worlds in a year's time or eighteen months' time. Um, I can plan for that trip, and and away we go. Yeah, you know, I I think Roar actually is the only organization that does that um which i actually think is good it's the only race they really do for eight scale uh nitro but the top 30 depends like america gets different spots some days some years it's 40 some years it's 30 yeah and i'm i'm good with that i think the top 30 should go now i don't know why they don't do that in europe either um, yeah, so I do Europe, not believe. I mean, Europe is the same setup as Femca, I believe. Is that is yes. that right? Yeah, I believe so. Each country is allowed uh, a certain number of people. Like I believe um, we talked about it. Like Italy only gets so many people, and it should get more. Or we should do it off the the euros. Like I agree with you there. I think <clears throat> maybe for 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 instance. Um, because we are dealing with because the unique thing is in in america raw doesn't do anything else besides the nationals you know whereas i believe like with femca and afra they're dealing with also individual organizations within countries so for instance afra has to deal with the brca which is in england and the organization in in france and all that type of stuff and it's the same for femca yeah Yeah, that's so it's a little bit different on that aspect but i think these 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 races should count for something so let's say the euros uh let's say your fem let's say maybe the top 10 out of the femco race the f- 
I would think maybe the top 10 out of the, or the top, the A finalists out of these top races should yeah. get an automatic oh, spot into 100%. the Euros. Yeah. And and right? that's what's so crazy, right? So <clears throat> like, for instance, like I remember talking to Renault, right? So he is, you know, makes the Euros final, he makes the world's final. And then to get to the next world championships, he's got to go into a club series, like a, a national series in France. And mm-hmm. like, if he doesn't win that, then he potentially can't go and, you know, race in the world championships. Remember, this this is their job, right? So if something yes. something happens, right, and like he has a couple of DNFs for whatever reason, then all of a sudden he can't go to a world championship, which may be quite a big, you know, pay salary for for him if he does well. Like it's it seems like a a bizarre way to to do it when he's like got proven results elsewhere. Um, yeah, they need to figure that out. Like, reward the finalists, I think. Yeah, rewarding then, the finalists, I think, is the key. Yeah. And then you can do the country allotments to yeah. per organization. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I think we need to shake this. Well, we're trying to do it, too. Um, it, the head of this is IFMAR. And I thoroughly enjoy the IFMAR Worlds. I'm missing it this year. I, I enjoy it. I am all about, I am not about this organization. I am all about getting more organized, but I'm about what are these, like, it's kind of like we're just, for me, it's RC period. We're, we're still doing things that we did back in the 80s and the 90s. And and yeah, IFMAR has been around definitely. since the 70s, I believe. Yeah. And nothing's changing. And they're not, for me, they're not even put, at least you could, you put in a motion to FEMCA. I couldn't even get a, an answer from anybody at IFMAR, mm. at EFRA, at, and nowhere when I asked them someone to come on the podcast. Actually, the president of EFRA has agreed. He agreed last year when he first signed on, but he seems like a, a open-minded type of dude. Right. We need to we need to get some more young, fresh blood. People like yourself who are smart, who can question things and and get up in these in IFMAR and all these and 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 well, and the, ruffle I, some I think, feathers, man. I think a lot of the problem, right, is the people that are running these organizations. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all majority of the time it's it's all volunteer work so you know like sure that's that's its own thing and i believe if more actually pays right okay well maybe I, maybe i'm wrong but the main the main crust is this like these guys are all like mm-hmm. they're really old man they haven't driven an rc car for <laughs> fucking 20 years you know what i, mean? I know so i like, know it's time you for go some and fresh try and talk there. to them about like this is what's going on with racing these days mate like it's a little bit different like you got to get with mm-hmm. the times no, this is the Femca. This is IFMA. This is the way we've done it since 1970. So that's what we're going to keep doing. Okay. Yeah, that's see, that's not a forward way, forward thinking way for me. Yeah. And if they don't want to change, then we have to we have to figure out a way to make them change. And the the vote the power is with us, the people, the fans, the RCs. Yeah. If we don't like something, we have to figure out how to way to fix it. And you guys. And, and you know, trying the to do my, that with if my worlds is one of the hardest ones, right? Because you're like, okay, we'll vote for, with our feet, but then you just you only just need one person to go, and then they'll they'll just be like, I'm if my world champion, right? Or, or not even that. If you don't go, then they you get on that reserve list, and then there's people, yeah, that say they, they oh, I, I, what it, it's going to take is it's going to take the manufacturers to say no. It's got to come from the but, manufacturers, hundred percent. You know. They they have the power to to say oh, we're not doing we're not doing this because like oh we thought that doing ten days in Australia was silly we were not only going to send people there for five days not yeah, not picking on exactly. Australia you yeah, know yeah, what no, I mean I, I know what you mean it was too long and and that's you know 
that amount of money that the manufacturers invested in that event, right, for 10 days. Mm -hmm. Now you think, okay, let's make it five days. But if they're still willing to spend that amount of money over 10, what could they have done with like the pool of money that all those manufacturers had for an extra five days? If they'd put that into, into promoting media to cover that event, like how good the, the, the coverage could have been, um, you know, that's just an example. Like, I mean, I think the crew did a pretty awesome job covering that event. Yes. Um, but you know what I mean? Like an extra, an extra five days of all the accommodation that they had for all their drivers and all their teams. Like there's just phenomenal amounts of money that they've spent to go for 10 days. Um, and so the money's yep. there, you know, they just got to, they just got to be smarter with it and going to a race for 10 days is just ridiculous. Or yeah. And I, I think we just need to be smarter period in RC where yes, we need to cater to the RC enthusiasts that we have totally agree with that, but we have to, we have to work. We, we keep saying, well, we, this will do it or this, someone else will do it. Or we need to get, we, we need new people in RC, but man, we're all, we all have an our ideas. Oh, I, I had a club race and I got two new people into RC. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I want to get a thousand new people into RC. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, the scale the scale could be so much bigger, and it should be really. We gotta get in there and shake these feathers, and that's how we do it. We gotta we gotta do it with the with the media, with with you know not people not scared to say what really happened and and what's going on and, and what make the the media like that part of the media makes RC exciting. Like I said, I get up and watch ESPN because I want to know what happened this weekend in football, and they tell me what went and who's yeah. injured. That's what we, I'm not saying, okay, nobody's going to injure an RC, but you know, all that type of stuff makes it exciting for the average person to follow, especially during this COVID stuff. It would have been great too. Oh yeah. So, and I mean, you've got to have a frank conversation about it at the end of the day, you know what I mean? And, and if things are all just done politely in videos and, and no one's really telling the real story, then nothing's going to change. It's just going to be the same old stuff that we keep on doing. Well, it's just like entries and entrance, man. Yeah. We had 500, 600 entries. No, but you had 200 entrants. That's right. That, that number is all that matters. Yeah. My dude, oh, um, that was a great conversation, actually. Um, I enjoy it. I like getting, we say it a lot, but it's good to hear it from other people as well who have been involved in RCE and in different uh, factions and can see what's going on as well. So I appreciate you coming on and, um, yeah, no you know, really, obviously, really I know, I know you got to go work tomorrow and it's getting late there. So we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. You got to, you got to get to work. Um, thank you, Zach Ryan from Australia, Mr. Fancy Pants. We're going to have to tell that story, how you got that name, how we made that up. Yeah, that'll probably, <laughs> Jake, you can no, probably get tell when, that story. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll do it when uh, Joseph gets on her. Check yeah. out his blog. Um, we will be dropping, he'll be dropping number two. Sorry, that sounded wrong too. You'll be <laughs> dropping number two. We'll be dropping blog number two uh, this week as well. Uh, it will be on the NNRC page or and as well as I'll be sharing it on my Facebook page and all that stuff. It's a great read. It great, gives a great perception, oh, another word that I struggle with, perception of RC, especially from Australia and Asia and what we can all do to make things different, man. Um, Zach, before we, we leave her, do you want to shout out and say thank you to anybody? Um, yeah, probably. Um, 
I mean, he's not here to listen to it anymore, but, you know, Dave Smith from Racing Lines is pretty much fundamental to to my racing um, throughout my career and, and getting me started. Um, there's a lot of, lot of thanks to him. And then, um, yeah, all the, the people that are pretty much supporting me now, um, Adrian Burton um, and the HB Racing crew and David Runnefog, all the, all the support that he's given with setup and all that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, all the, the local club that we've got here um, in Queensland. Thanks a lot. Sweet, man. I appreciate your time. I look forward to more of your blogs and thank you uh, for your support, you, Ben, and all the Australians that support the No Name RC podcast. I want to shout out to all of my JQ family out there, the Thylacine, Jack, all these. You know, it's awesome to see what Replay Hobbies is doing, John Dawes and those guys. I hope to make it to Australia one day to hang out with you guys <clears throat> or even at a race one day. So I appreciate having a fresh perspective on everything. Good luck at uh be safe working this week and um I look forward to talking to you some more, man. Thank you for your time. No worries, man. Thanks for time. NNRC listeners, are you currently having trouble trying to get the power down to the ground? Well, don't you worry. Papa Willie's Traction Tonic has you covered for all your RC tire traction needs. Whether you race on carpet, concrete, dirt, loose, dry, slick, or high grip surfaces. Papa Willie's Traction Tonic Cures for Traction. Benefits of using Papa Willie's Tonic Traction is going to be more traction, long-lasting, light tire wear, sweet scent, clean application, fast-acting, fresh fill. Papa's Willie Traction Tonic is also safe on foam inserts and does not deteriorate tire glue. Find and follow Papa Willie's Traction Tonic on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit them at www.papawillies.net. Use the promo code NNRC at checkout for 10% off. Prepare for victory with the one and only Papa Willie's Traction Tonic. It's time for the Rob's Oil RC Gypsy Tales part of the podcast. This is the part of the podcast where we tell our some crazy RC related type story that we have been involved with and something that goes on. We, we like to get some viewer crazy quest, uh, stories too that they might want to tell because we can't think of them all and we have limited stories. But um, yeah, this part of the podcast is brought to you by Rob's Oil, your one stop for all of your AMS oil oils and filters. We are definitely going to be stocking up on this type of stuff for the janky JQ van so we can get another 400,000 miles out of it. And uh, no, I think the chassis will break before we do that. But yeah, go check out www.robsoil.com for all of your Amazon needs. Why do you want to choose Amazon? Because Amazon makes top quality synthetic lubricants for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, four-wheeler, snowmobile, lawnmower, and anything else with an engine. Amsoil lubricants are designed to help your equipment to run at peak efficiency and last longer. Join the millions of proud Amsoil users to experience the difference. Get all your stuff shipped to anywhere you want in North America from www.robzoil.com. Rob is an RC dude. Him and his son love RC. They love the podcast. They support it. They advertise on the podcast. So let's show them some love. So, Joseph, I was trying to think of a, a story to tell, and I couldn't think of one. Um... It, it's been hard. We haven't really done a lot of these stories. Maybe like I'd like to get Mike Hill on her one day because a lot of this was done with Mike and JB and all those different people and maybe tell some of my stories. We'll see how it goes. He's a bit shy. But um, 
this story kind of came to me this week. And this isn't like a, something that happened to me, but it's something that a, a, a guy who listens to the podcast, he runs JQ. And this is, I'm going to call this, this RC Gypsy Tale. Um, Where's uh, the right tool for the job? Now, I've been around. I've stabbed myself in my thumb. Joseph, you're prone to injuring yourself too. RC related. Uh, uh, what's, what do you you, mean? what's the gnarliest RC related industry you've caused to yourself, Joseph? I don't know. I don't injure myself in RC, I think. Do I? Yeah, but you've stabbed yourself a few times with screwdrivers and exacto knives and Yeah, just basically. I'm surprised you haven't really hurt yourself if you're Dremel cuz you're really good with that. But you know there's always some gruesome gruesome incidents and this one is probably one of the worst I've seen. So, I don't know. I'm sure they're worse, but this dude. So anyway, um this this guy, this listener, he's he's a good dude. I like him a lot. Nice guy. I'm not going to say his name. But uh, he has a JQ. His he he's a tinkerer. He's like one of the hobby guys. He he likes doing it the whole fashion way. He's changing all his stuff, doing all this, this crazy stuff to his JQ. And he's like, I can't get the droop out of my front end. And I was like, man, you got to dremel this or cut or cut the front droop tabs off. And he didn't want to cut them off, so he was bending them. And what it, the only way I can assume is how he did this. He kind of had this maybe like the chassis on the side of a bench and was bending it with the palm of his hand. Well, he said he bent it a little bit, and then he went back for the second bend, and it just went snap. And when he showed me his hand, I showed you the pictures, right, Joseph? This dude, yeah. unfortunately, wow, he cut, like, let's imagine on your left hand, the meaty part of where your thumb is, that's all cut up there, like, sliced from where the chassis broke, and uh, it, like, had a shard there, and it just cut his hand like a razor blade. That's one of the worst RC injuries I've, injuries I've seen. If that would have happened to me, I'd be Joseph. You would, I, you would have to wipe my ass. Like if that would happen to me, while we was on the road, you'd have to feed me, bathe me, wipe my ass, help me go to the bathroom. I would have, I would have thorns. That injury was bad. What did you think of that? Yeah, it looked surprisingly bad. I mean, he did a pretty good job, I have to say. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's it's too bad. I I asked him today how his hand was. He hasn't answered me. He had a question for you too. Um, I have to get it to you. It's something to do with your setup video. Um, it's pretty long. I'll just send it to you. But yeah, man, that was a bad industry injury, and I wanted. To, I was just wondering what's some of the worst injuries some other people have seen, man. I'm seeing. Like people getting hit by cars, that's pretty bad. But man, ah, I think uh, here my buddy was telling me a guy broke his leg once at a race, like really bad, where the burn was sticking through, and he had to like splint his leg and all that stuff. Ooh, I don't know if I could do that, man. RC car racing, man. I thought there was gonna be more injuries at Southern Nats with that damn crossover. Anyway, if you guys have any um, RC stories you want to share, hit us up. Let me know. We can make it anonymous, but we want to hear your stories too. Maybe they're crazy. Maybe they're fun. Who knows? All right, Joseph, let's get on to the JQ Racing rant. 
We are now at that point of the show where you should fasten those seatbelts and put your big boy pants on. Whoa. Things are about to get serious. It's time for the JQ Racing Rant. Yes, indeed. It's that time of the podcast where you need to put your big boy panties on because this is the uncensored part where JQ and myself get to rant about something that's happening in RC. And Joseph, once again, has a rant. So I'm going to let him get on his soapbox and tell us what's on his mind. So, Joseph, go ahead and talk to us. Yep, I have a rant. A uh, short one this time. But it's because I went on my web shop and I checked the unpaid orders. And I have, guess, actually, fuck, I told you, right? So you can't guess. It's not going to work. I, w- I wanted you to guess how much I have in unpaid orders to people. This is, let's say it's more than two years old. So they're probably never going to pay. If you had to guess, how much would you have guessed? The amount I, I don't told know. you, was that more than you expected or what? No, I expected more than that. Really? Okay. So I have yeah. just over $5,000 in unpaid invoices. And these are mostly to sort of friends and acquaintances. You know, people you meet when you race and someone you hook up. These are to people who, oh, fuck, I can't afford this right now. Can you give me some payment terms or this or that, or I'll pay you in a month or these kind of situations, you know? So it's mostly people that I've met, I've raced with, I've hooked up and they just don't pay. I just don't understand this kind of uh, behavior. And it's, see, it's one thing if, if they, uh, just forget about it. And, and now I'm here on the podcast ranting and I've never brought it up, but I do. I've messaged them, emailed them. They know these people know (laughs) that they owe this money and they just don't pay. And they range from like $30 to $600. That's the range basically. And you're like, you ain't giving up on that. Are you? What? You're not giving up on there. You're like still messaging people. No, yeah, yeah. I still message. It's just the, like the principle. Like, I just don't get it. If you know that you owe someone, you you have a car, engine, tires, parts, whatever you have, you, you got this and you used them. And maybe you sold them off already or you're done, whatever. You know that you never paid for it. How do people just like, keep on going and they don't care and maybe like i meet them at a race or something and then hey how about this uh how about the open invoice are you ever gonna pay or what like what's what's happening here and they just kind of brush it off and this and that and blah 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 blah. i just don't get it i don't understand you sound like my wife right now like her stress is going through with her bathing suit um it just it's not unique to RC it happens everywhere man 
I owe people money. I just pay them when I see, like when I can. Like I know every month I can pay this person this and I can pay that. So I pay them. But uh, yeah, it, it it happens like that. it's unfortunate because it messes it up for people who you know can pay it. Like pay. Yeah, unfortunately, when people don't do that, it messes it up for people that you do want to give a chance to. Like there might be a guy at the track, and it's like, man, I'll pay uh, PayPal you the money when I get home, or I'll send it to you next week. And I know, man, it's unfortunate, man. Don't let it get you down. Don't let it stop you from being a good Samaritan, Joseph. You do good things, too. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I don't really have much to rant about. I did have a rant. Uh, me and I had an anonymous rant, but I need to get it right. Uh, it's about classes and and club racing and how club races shouldn't be so long, like you know, which I agree with because it's like you shouldn't. It shouldn't take you all day to do a club race. A club race should be able to done in an evening time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've we'll talk, spoken about that so many times. Also, it solve it kind of solves the whole JBRL made me want to quit racing problem because <laughs> I don't, but here's the, people, the thing here's the, the thing can you, still make you their like, money the organizer can still make money they can still be a million classes but you just stagger them so that people can choose to only spend a few hours at the track and get their two qualifiers in the main in and then that's it so more people overall would be attending the races i think this way some people would race all day long they would pick a class so they can race in the two or three different segments, like the morning time, the daytime, the nighttime. But some people only show up for the morning or only show up for the night or the day, you know? So it would be so much better. But you know what? You have to sit down and think about it and make a schedule and plan it. And people don't want to do that. It's frustrating. All right. Well, I don't want you to get on that soapbox right now. But... uh yeah, but people still, the thing is, I know people probably be like, well, you're always harking on JBR, Joseph. I I enjoyed my one that I went there. Yes, it's an all-day event. It's I get it, but, I mean, it's still the way they do things, I guess, in California. So it has its prestige, and you can't take that away from it. So it's going to be attended, and people, it means something if you're a JBRL. You win a JBRL, it's, it's good. Like, it's some competition there. So there ain't much we could do about that, Joseph. Anyway, I don't really have nothing else to rant about. Uh, we do want your rants, people. Send us a message if you have a rant about that you want us to talk about. Sorry, some noise, crazy stuff going on outside. We like to get uh, listener rants. Uh, maybe you guys have a topic you want to talk about. Just shoot us a message. You can do that. Uh, we, we can't think of it all. It's kind of, it's... Yeah. It's it's getting it's difficult because we're not at the races and stuff too, Joseph. So, you know, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Like, I, I miss getting to the races. You know, getting there, you can hear all the rumors. Like, I haven't heard anything about Southern Nets, and I've been asking. But it seems like everything went smoothly. There was no, no one getting upset. Have you heard? I have. You may have heard something, but <clears throat> no, I haven't spoken to anyone. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard anything. Ah. Uh, yeah, give us a rant. Thank you for your support. Give us a like and a share. 
Thank you for the questions in the Beach RC uh, segment. Thank you to Beach RC for their support. Uh, we will be doing a live. This is going to be released on uh, Wednesday, so we'll be doing a live the night of this, and we'll talk a little bit more about Southern Nats and that. Hopefully, get some calls from people that attended. So check us out. We'll be doing that with Wally, and uh, yeah. Thank you to all the uh, NNRC squad around the world. Can't do it without you guys. Thank you to the patrons on Patreon. Please, if you, we appreciate your support. If you wish to be a patron, you can. Follow the link in the written description. Thank you to all of our awesome companies that choose to, to sponsor us. They are RCMX Online, Techno RC, Beach RC, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, JQ Racing, Rob's Oil, Manscaped, JQ Threads, Wally Builds, Thank you all. I greatly appreciate it. Remember, review this podcast. helps us out on whatever platform that you're watching, uh, listening to it. Uh, share it. Sh uh, if you can get some swag, represent the NNRC. Tag us in your, in your post. We want to see it. Remember, hashtag NNRC squad or hashtag Nitro is the glory because it is truly the glory. The weekend is almost here. Wherever you're going, have fun. Send it with responsibility. Joseph, do you have anything to say before we get out of here tonight? I don't. No words of encouragement for anybody who's out there striving to be a champion this weekend. That's actually a good idea for a YouTube video. I should uh, recap those Facebook Live. Don't be a fanboy, be a champion. Make, make a YouTube video out of it. All righty. I guess. Also, people remember we did do a competition connected to the Southern Nats race. Top pick. Top three picks. There was one on Patreon. There was one for the on a regular Facebook group. Uh, I will be revealing the winner of that on the live tonight and presenting the, their prizes from Cleanworks, Popoli Extraction Tonic, and Assault RC. Some lube from Bench, uh, Brent's uh, brand Assault RC. So you guys win a package of that, and I we may we may do a giveaway on the on the live podcast too. So we'll see what happens. So enjoy your weekend. Send it with responsibility. If you ain't grinding, you're sliding. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Lefty and JQ out. Thank you for listening to the No Name RC Podcast. We greatly appreciate all the support and love from you, the listeners. Without all of you, none of this is possible. Special thanks to our patrons on Patreon. If you wish to support the podcast further, you can at patreon.com forward slash NNRC podcast. As a patron, you will receive early releases, special content and patron only giveaways also please follow us on facebook instagram and our website www.nnrcpodcast.com remember nitro is the glory but e-buggy pays the bills if you aren't having fun it doesn't make sense and if you ain't grinding you're sliding lefty out Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory. Nitro is the glory.